0: that's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com.
2: No by law. Eighteen plus. Terms apply. website for details. Hello. Right. And you join us back here at the very tiny, tiny debate show. And before the break, Irish songbird Van Morrison beat Luther Van Dross in a game of extreme pinochle. For all of us here in the studio, it was a delight. For all of you listening at home, it must have sounded like two out of breath walruses fighting over a squirrel in a pit of day-old blancmange. Van, if I may call you that, what conclusions did that lead you to make about the renewable energy crisis? Well, I, uh, well, wouldn't I, uh, well, you know, it's, uh, sort of like that, Have I told you lately that I love you, um, well, if you took, uh, I believe they can, uh, there do all sorts of things there, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, they, uh, powered a car completely out of ham, uh, I think. Uh, well, you know, uh whatever's possible, you know, you have well uh you know, uh G-L-O-R-O-A, I believe that's how how she spelled uh, the back of a test And Luther, your thesis. <laughs> Well, next up we have Christopher Walken and Bob Dylan, and they're going to be seeing if there really is an answer to the American healthcare system. They're going to do so while being drowned out by obnoxious polka music provided by the Plumbers and Welders Knee Length Pants and Bobbly Hat Brass Band from Clinic on the Rhine. <laughs>
1: Ein und ein Lichtensteiner auf seinem Platz, auf seinen Platz, meine Schatz, Man kann beim Schieben, wenn schieben schieben, sich in beide Augen sehen, was denn lieben Liebe, oh mein Lieben, wenn ich schade, oh ja, so eine liebe Steiner voll ver die Heiz, aber die macht er was mein Schatz.
2: All right, all right, that's enough. And to end our show, 80s funny man Russ Abbott is going to be fired from a cannon through some framed portraits of Princess Anne. Good day. No, no, no. Put it in the sink. I don't want it dripping all over my face. And now on Radio Flange Goblet, it's our special holidays episode of the After Movie Diner and to present it right, it's coming all the way from Martha Plimpton's left thigh serviette explosion, a charming and festive bistro on the back of a flatbed truck winging its way down the B732 to Upper Groynton the town which until recently had a large gold statue of Michael Winner in a dress underneath a sign which had only one word written on it, and that word was Flapjack When you arrive at your destination, Martha Plimpton or a pretty convincing lookalike will be waiting for you personally to show you the way to our extensive choice of lavatories, and to open Mark your choice of loudly colored holiday sweater. Rifles are available for men and women over 50, pipes for the over 20s, and ironic autographed pictures of Richard Greco for the under 12s. <laughs> Marvels and Marvelettes, and welcome to a very special episode of the After Movie Diner. Well, every episode I like to think is special, but this one, just a hair more... Later on, we'll have a great friend of the show, David DeMoss, on to talk about Iron Man 3, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Thor The Dark World. But first up, we're very honoured to have the man behind the music for those films, Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, as well as the Expendables and Fast and Furious franchises, Baba Hotep, John Dies at the End, and a whole host of unforgettable scores. The Aftermovie Diner is proud to present A Conversation with Brian Tyler. Hey, hi brian can you hear me all right
1: i can yeah
2: okay great hi well thanks ever so much for being on the show sir uh welcome to the after movie diner uh, we're big fans of your music here and it's great to have this opportunity to talk of course and uh happy thanksgiving for yesterday sir okay,
3: exactly thank you very much yeah, it was uh it was a day of things at work so
2: yeah, you're a busy guy. You've always got about four projects on the go, according to YMDB. Yeah, <laughs> I
3: mean, I'm just, I'm just leaving conducting. Just uh, recorded orchestra for a Wi-Fi episode. So just, just leaving that right now.
2: Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So you've been working right through the holiday. Well, you need to need to take yourself a break. But thanks ever so much for um, doing this call. I hope it doesn't uh, take too much time out of your day, sir.
3: No worries
2: so I just wanted to start as though the films were actually covering on this week's show with Iron Man three and Thor, the dark world. These were your first time scoring for Marvel, right?
3: Yeah, it was exactly.
2: Okay. And I was wondering if that came about, uh, I have this thing uh, because you've done a lot of action movies with Iron Man three with Shane black directing. It's a bit more of a traditional action film. Did it come about because of your fast furious expendables work or.
3: Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a little bit of everything. Uh for for quite some time, um, Marvel, you know, was I, I've been talking to them about trying to find the right fit, the right movie, and there were a number of times that you know I was uh, we were talking about doing some other ones that didn't work, and you know, I, so it was like the perfect opportunity for us. To finally, schedule scheduled work, everyone was on the same page, and it was something was uh, was was perfect for us to to start on. But they were they were quite Familiar with my scores, um, and even like scores like Annapolis and um, greatest game ever played, and things like that, all the way through Battle Los Angeles, and uh, certainly uh, Fast and Furious and, and Expendables, and those. So it was kind of a, an amalgamation of uh, different things. There, were, uh, you know, we've been talking for a while, and the Iron Man three seemed like the perfect project to reboot reboot the the uh, franchise uh, post Avengers uh, Marvel universe.
2: Cool, very cool, and yeah, because I mean, obviously, Shane Black, and and also because of the story of Tony Stark in it, it's sort of written almost like a Lethal Weapon movie to some extent with him and Rhodes, and you know the way they are at the back, back and forth, and so on. Are you a, f- a fan of those movies? Did you draw on yeah. that kind of inspiration for the score?
3: Yeah, and, and in fact, uh, big fan of the scores to those as well. Came in. The scores are great. Um, the uh, the the way that Tony was approached with, you know, with Chain, of course, and Drew Pierce writing, they really uh, wanted to kind of go through Tony's journey as someone that has been affected by the events of the Avengers and then how he deals with things now. It's it's definitely a a, uh, a different style. And enough so that we could uh, afford to make it more superhero-y, but also legitimately an, uh, like a big uh, action movie at the same time. So they had a lot of highs and lows that one looked for in terms of writing a score, because it's definitely not something that is wall-to-wall action. It has more nuance and uh, character, which is which is great. And, and it was time to kind of. Um, Established Tony's character musically at where where he is now in life. Yeah, so that's what we set out to do.
2: And and what scores inspire you or music inspires you when you start a picture like Iron Man three or do you try not to listen to anything else at all?
3: Uh, Yeah, there's really nothing there. I mean, I I I'll hear the temp the first time I watch the movie and then I just turn it off. You know, it's um there really was no template that Iron Man three was something we. Kind of didn't know what, like there was no template to even temp in because it needed to be something that was very human in the sense that he has this kind of his snarky, wisecracking, clever attitude, uh, you know, this playboy about town kind of Tony Stark vibe. But but the, the fact is that now he's become uh, a kind of a reluctant superhero, and so it needed to have that as well. And it's it's weird, like most scores that Victor's in the past are either extremely like Rockets and like Macho and all, all about the attitude or they're very, very uh, fantasy-laden uh, superhero sports and and neither fit for Iron Man 3. So we really had to come up with something new, um, which is a big challenge.
2: Yeah, I, I wondered if there, I mean, I couldn't think of one off the top of my head, but was there any sort of theme or anything from Iron Man 1 and 2 that you had to incorporate? Uh, does Tony no, have like I mean, a central theme? or
3: yeah, it was it, it, Tony's theme is really from Iron Man three because there wasn't the room in those first two movies to actually have that kind of language. Um,
1: right.
3: he, he it, because of where his character was. There wasn't the just there wasn't the opportunity to do it yet. And, and now that he's really established himself, <laughs> especially with the Avengers and onward, he. He's he's almost like a new character in a sense. So uh, he still has that Tony vibe, and but, but now he's become more of a fully fledged superhero. So so it really needed to be brand new um, because of where the story was, and it, it's not not dissimilar to how Thor had to be a as, as well because of um, again the post adventures world Thor is very very different. Yeah. Uh, than 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 the Thor because it was two movies ago essentially.
2: Yeah, of course. And so uh, we're going to move on to Thor The Dark World. It obviously has a much bigger fantasy element. You know, there there are scenes in it that yeah. are almost Lord of the Rings-esque. Yeah. And uh, how do you factor that into the music? How did you incorporate that with the stuff on Earth? Did you have two different... Yeah.
3: I mean, for for Marvel themes and scores, you're going to have two different, uh, more different characters than Thor and Iron Man. I mean, one is a right. man-made superhero with a suit, and the other... Is as is, is a god, so you know you couldn't have you couldn't have a wider range. So with Thor, it was completely leaning into the superhero fantasy elements and uh, the epic nature of the fact that we're on um a mythological um, planet Asgard that is not only like you have the science fiction Star Warsing aspect, but you're right, like the Lord of the Rings you know, cloak and riding horses and swords and and troops, you know, kind of medieval aspect. And yeah. um, those two things combined to kind of equal to me, you can go as epic as you possibly can and somehow the character will um, will allow for it. It, it absorbs uh, big themes like, like no other. So that one was more of like a just go for it kind of... Uh, Mantra, really. You yeah. Know, make it as epic as, as possible and as fun and godlike as, as Thor,
1: Thor yeah. can possibly be. Yeah.
3: Well,
2: because I suppose with, with Tony and Iron Man being very verbal, but the emotional storyline he's going through is very serious, whereas Thor seemed a bit more... Knockabout, like there was more fun to it, a bit more wacky almost. Um, you yeah. Know, there's a lot of slapstick and stuff. So, do you, do you find Thor was a sort of more fun theme for you to do, a more a sort of lighthearted score almost, or more? Yeah, score? you
3: know, it, it, on the outset you'd think it'd be the reverse because Tony is such a funny guy and Downey the way he plays was so hilarious. But it, it, at the same time with Iron Man, he was a uh, troubled soul, you know, going through, uh, you know, there's 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 a kind of a dark period for him with Thor. He was confused in the first movie as to his who he was, and he was cast out by his father Odin. He kind of messed up, and then in Avengers he kind of redeemed himself. So now we're in this situation where he is fully heir to the throne, and uh, so he. It, 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 and there's a lot more room for kind of the the fun and the the craziness of him actually trying to have. This relationship with with uh, a girl from Midgard, from Earth, you know, yeah. Jane Foster. So uh, you you have you it's a really cracking fun movie, I think, and 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 the character of Loki, of course, um, plays right into that as his brother, and there's this really interesting interplay between them, and yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's a great canvas for. There's, I can't think of it. A more fun canvas to have as a composer than something like Thor because not only the great actors and the story and Marvel the Marvel universe, but it's combining these, these two things. There's kind of the old medieval uh, sword and sandal kind of thing or, well, not sword and sandal, just sword and uh, armor, yeah, of sword and shield, with, yeah, <laughs> sword and shield with with uh, with with science fiction lasers, you know, spaceship, you know, yeah. So it doesn't really get better than that for me, and it's, it 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 really spoke to the inner kid in me that grew up watching Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and all that. So.
2: Yeah, it had. I mean, not in the campy elements, but it had sort of Flash Gordon moments almost in a, in a weird yeah. way. Yeah, it wouldn't have
3: been yeah, out of place. Know, you know. It was it, if, if Flash Gordon was done now with kind of the Marvel angle, you know. It, yeah. It, there's there's, um, there's some really cool ships and you know dogfight flight sequences and battle sequences and the dark elves are really cool and it, it, it's just um, it was it was a blast to do and, and I loved I loved scoring it and loved conducting the orchestra too. It was great.
2: The next question does feature a mild Thor the Dark World spoiler. So if you really don't want to hear that, please just fast forward the interview by about a minute, really no longer than a minute. Uh, It's just a very, it, it wouldn't spoil the enjoyment of the film, but it's just a little thing. If you didn't want to know it happened, please do just fast forward the next question by about a minute. Thanks. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought the movie was great. I thought it had everything in it. And I just wanted to say just quickly the, um, the scene, obviously, and we, we do spoil it in the show, but I wanted to let you know that the scene where his mother dies and they had the funeral, mm-hmm. as much of a spectacle it was, as it was, I thought it yeah. was so nicely downplayed. And although it was a big spectacle and, you know, it, everything about it was subtle. There wasn't a huge, a lot, a lot of histrionics or whatever. It was just done no. so beautifully. It was very touching. I loved it. I thought you did a grand job there.
3: Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that was a... That was a. I thought that was just a really well done scene, well thought out, and and was one of the better um, scenes I've ever seen in any movie that kind of spoke to how we feel about someone passing on, kind of thing. And, and yeah. it just it was really beautiful um, uh, and and sad, you know.
2: Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Now, these were obviously uh, big-budget blockbusters with strict release dates. H- how much do you work closely with the director? Is there not really time on films like this?
3: Oh, yes, there's time. Um, you know, I, I would go back and, uh, you know, we we discuss how to achieve what we wanted to achieve in the scene, and both Shane and Alan were very specific in what they wanted. Um, they they it's not musically specific they, they 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 would tell me emotionally what they wanted yeah and um so you know it was it was really great being able to uh work with people also that do scores really well you
1: know yeah
3: i mean i remember with shane we would have kind of competitions over who could you know and we didn't name that score on yeah on. Um, you know it's pretty cool like true movie makers and and same with uh, the marvel people i mean from top to bottom there kevin feige and and uh everyone uh, over there lou and victoria and i could go on and on it's they're they're, they're people that get it yeah they get what it's about and they they don't forget what it's like to be a movie fan sitting in the theater themselves so it's pretty pretty cool, and there is enough time to kind of go back and forth regardless of the schedule you know and be yeah. able to get exactly what we want
4: and are you are you working with Marvel again in the future? can you tell us or
3: yeah um you know there's um it, I, it's an ongoing relationship um cool I, I i always i always uh you know when 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 they call um i'm happy to to uh, to work with them because I, I just feel like they you know they're kindred spirits and so we'll see what's uh, what's in the future it'll be it'll be uh, really interesting to have a, a great slate of movies coming up and, yeah you know, hopefully we're working together soon
2: so you started with independent films and weird and wonderful things like Six String Samurai when you started composing was your goal always for films or were you looking to do yeah. like band stuff or solo <laughs> stuff both
3: uh you know it's funny i I was in lots of bands and I loved writing that stuff and i still do um and I'm really into rock and, and i was in a lot of rock bands as a drummer you know and um and uh, also you know keyboards and still i um, you know work on records and whatnot but with um the i always loved film music and um so basically when, I mean, like, I think the first record I had album of any sort was probably Star Wars. I don't even know, but I think something like that. Yeah. So, um, I, as I was writing, I didn't really know exactly what I would be doing, but I was certainly going to, I mean, from the time I can, earliest I can remember, I wanted to be involved with both films and music. And it seems like a natural progression to have, when I started writing music to uh, start working with films once the opportunity presented itself, you know. Yeah. But I was writing writing kind of filmic music long before um, uh, long before I was given any opportunity, you
2: know. Right, I see, yeah, yeah. And you, you scored one of my, I think it's one of my top five all-time favorite scores when you did Baba Hotep. I mean, it really is a fantastic uh, score. Um, so Baba Hotep. Sort of yeah. What was that? Oh, in- yeah, uh- what was that experience like, and what were the challenges of sort of creating the Elvis-like music, but obviously not Elvis?
3: Yeah, that was one of the. You know, looking back, this it seems like an almost impossible task to create music that's kind of Elvisy, but also isn't Elvis music, but right. also emotional and and isn't isn't campy in a way that makes fun of our characters but embraces them. And, and it just it was one of those things. I wrote a theme for it and thought that it would be great with guitar and kind of a choir of, you know, not a refined choir, but more of a kind of a, uh, just a, a choir of a bunch of me singing, you know, those kind of men's choir things. Sure. So, um, I, I just wanted to make sure that the the, the character was given full respect, in it, and it's not kind of a goofy score whatsoever. Even though the movie is kind of crazy and quirky and wacky,
1: yeah.
3: I was like, well, let's play the music straight because it's because you really do feel for him as a genuine person, and uh, so it, it came about like a kind of an unexpected way. You could, it could have gone in a very very different direction.
2: Yeah. No I mean it's certainly you know because of the obviously the budget and everything the the music to some extent and everything's great about that movie the direction the acting you know everyone pulled yes, out their sure. own game but, but the music as as scores often do to low budget films elevates that now I mean the one moment I think of is when he says Mr President when JFK dies at the end yeah. you've got a lump in your throat. The hair comes on the yeah. back of your neck because, and it's a ridiculous situation that this guy isn't JFK and he's not the president and he's not Elvis, but it it, it immediately yeah. makes that moment emotional. It's fantastic.
3: Yeah. yeah, when he acknowledges, yeah, he acknowledges what, he he wants to be yeah, it's a great moment. In the movie. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And the the music complements it so well. So uh you reunited with Don Coscarelli for John Dies at the end. Is that gonna be an ongoing yeah. relationship? What's that like then and what draws you to offbeat projects like that?
3: You know, I just I love uh working with Don. Uh, is, you know again, you know, I was just a big Phantasm fan and all that. And so you know we're we're Kindred spirits, and it is fun working on things that are a little bit uh, a little bit off the wall. Um, and 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 so yeah, I, I, I'm always every year trying to um, you know find a project or two you know that, that do that.
2: Yeah, and do you do a lot more uh, work yourself on those playing the instruments yourselves and keeping the orchestral side of it smaller and things like that? Is that more fun as well, more intimate?
3: Yeah, it is. Uh, I like changing it up, certainly. I mean, I just finished conducting today, and it was kind of a different size, kind of chamber orchestra today, so... Oh, nice. It, you know, it's, 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 uh, just changing up. Sometimes I'll play old instruments, you know, like on break or above the chapel, they'll play everything. Wow. Um, and then, you know, it's changing up the instrumentation, too, is always fun.
1: And another
2: big relationship, I guess, uh, for your scoring and your filmmaking and things like that, is obviously Stallone. You know, you worked with him on the fourth Rambo and then the Expendables uh, trilogy. Um, what what was that like? What was the first time like meeting Stallone? And does he work closely with his composers? He
3: does. He's a big he's a big film music guy um, for sure, and he's had such a like intimate relationship with the music and his themes from Rocky to Rambo. And he called me in. I mean, it's trippy meeting him at first. I mean, now we're friends, but, you know, he called me in to check out the script for Rambo, which he was just finished. He hadn't shot the movie yet. And, of course, you know, Jerry Goldsmith having done the first three, you know, it was taller or stepping in. Uh, but he called me in to, first, I didn't think it was him calling. I thought it was some guy joking around with using Stallone's voice, which is fool me. But, but. um once I realized it was actually him and we met, it was pretty cool, you know, and we, we just talked about music and, and, and it ended up being that we just really hit it off, you know, we, just personally and from a, from what we wanted out of these movies as well.
2: A couple more questions from from listeners of the show. One of them was asking which movie score was the hardest score you did for a film?
3: Oh, my goodness. Mm.
2: And, and sort of what made it hard, was it because... You had yeah. to do a lot on it, or you know, was it because it was a big orchestra or difficult subject matter, or I don't know?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, boy. what was it? You know, it's interesting. I just, It comes to mind a movie I just conducted last week uh, called Into the Storm, and it was a challenge for a number of reasons, but one of the main challenges was just the fact that there's these big tornadoes, and they're loud
1: yeah. and
3: they take up kind of different sonic ranges. And the fact that we wanted the music to not be like big bad wolf kind of thing, but that the, thorn, the, the actual storms are intelligent and clever and, and there's, and they're, they're awe inspiring and you have to respect them. And, and so the music had to say a lot, but kind of work within these big giant sounds. Uh, so what I actually ended up doing, and when I started writing, I kind of kept doing things that would clash with the storm. And so I just simply thought, why don't we actually analyze the sound of each scene, the actual sound of the storm, and we'll put it through a scope, and we'll, we can see the EQ curve and and get a kind of a graphic of it, and then kind of pick what instruments and what range and what key can play at different times when the storm's really close it tends to be in this range and when it's a little bit further away it's a little bit more like this and so I completely wrote the entire score around the sonic range of the storm uh, the storm's Eq output <laughs> right and, and and so each so the different keys and things that I use throughout the movie is constantly changing and instruments are changing in ranges using a lot of brass and but still writing so it's kind of a technical uh, obstacles are kind of set in front of you right at the beginning but then at the same time you have to write this really emotional music story of a father and a son and there's all this tragedy in it and all sorts of different things happening so you you're constantly kind of you know bobbing and weaving so i, I would say it's probably the most challenging technically uh to to compose and, and it was for a, a large orchestra i'm really happy with it it's one of my favorites
2: oh very cool all right can't wait when, when does that come out do you know
3: I believe it comes out. Uh, it comes out next summer. I think in the beginning of August, the very beginning of August. But oh, good. Yeah.
2: And uh, one of our other listeners had a question. Well, first of all, sort of, what is your favorite score? Do you have like a favorite score or a favorite composer who, who inspired mm. you, or uh,
3: you know, uh, uh, there's a few that come to mind, but uh, I always tend to. Think of Vertigo and The Empire Strikes Back.
2: <laughs> oh, very cool! Yeah, um, yeah, good choices.
3: So um, you know those those are very different, but the, I uh, I play them to death, and uh, they're for different reasons. They they they're just fantastic, and um, and you know just enjoyable both both as music and how well it works. To picture. I mean, neither of those films work without those scores. And certainly any of the Star Wars, but I just, Empire happens to be my favorite.
2: Right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um,. Yeah, and, uh, okay, well, look, thanks so much. Just one one last question is just, with with a, a schedule as ridiculous as yours and several huge movies and two TV shows and so on, how do you keep it all separate and how hard is it to kind of keep it all new and fresh? How difficult is it to kind of separate that? Or do you find it easy? Is that something that comes naturally to you?
3: I, it, I've, I've definitely built up a, a kind of resistance to the schedule uh, where I can, uh, write under duress, much right. <laughs> composing under duress is constant. And um, the thing that makes it the, the the bright side of it is that for me, the fact that the subject matter changes really quickly throughout the year as I'm going from one project to the, to the next is why it keeps it fresh. I mean, going from Iron Man three to Now You See Me, they couldn't have been more different. You know, and they were right on top of each other. Then, so it was right on top of it. then So, the, so the the fact that you're kind of doing different things at the same time, I was doing Assassin's Creed at one point there during that time, and that was like gypsy music, pirate music kind of thing. So, they they just are different enough that that I can uh, kind of compartmentalize them in my mind, and it keeps it fresh, even though you're getting. <laughs> murdered on the schedule yeah
2: exactly no i looked at your imdb <laughs> I, my mind was blown i mean i do a little bit of music but i couldn't figure out how yep. you would uh, come up with the great scores you do well look thanks brian thanks, thank thanks so much for being on the show it's been absolutely fantastic and glad we could it. so uh, and keep keep no doing what you do man it's really great we love you uh, <laughs> love your music and
3: uh, yeah thank you so much well we'll talk soon and let's keep in touch
2: yeah i'd like to man definitely i'd like to let's uh, let's talk again in the future
3: I'll do it. All right. All right. Bye, man. Bye. bye. Then.
2: And you can find more information about how to stream and purchase Brian's music, as well as upcoming film projects, etc., 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 over at BrianTyler.com. Uh, please do search it out and have a look. Uh, there's a lot of his music on the site, as well as some great information, uh, photographs, and various other stuff. Check it out, BrianTyler.com. And now, I saw Thor 2. And I came out of thought too, and I was like, dang it, I want to talk about this movie. Like, I want to geek out on this movie. Yeah. And, you know, the wife and I geeked out on it. Like, we both liked the movie, so we had a good chat about it. But I was like, I, you know, when are we going to do this again? Like, when, when are uh, Dave and I going to get together to do Marvel movies again? Because you know, we're going to do the Spider-Man thing and, you know, and then we'll have Guardians of the Galaxy and some other stuff. But, like, when are we going to do, like, the Thor Captain America movies again? We're not, you know, we're not, I'm not going to wait till Avengers 2 to do all that again. And I really want to talk about Thor 2 right now. Uh, and so I was like, ah, that coupled with the week I've had led me here to uh, have uh, yourself
0: on the show, sir. Well, that's, well, thank you. That's awesome. And I can completely understand that uh, the instinct to, yeah, walk out of Thor 2 and, like, to immediately want to geek out about it, because I had the same thing myself. Okay,
2: folks and folkettes, we're back here in the Aftermovie diner for yet another episode, and I'm extraordinarily happy, honored, pleased, excited, and my geek engine is well and truly revving Uh, To have uh, back on the show once more, uh, fount of all comic book knowledge and uh, dear friend,
0: Mr. David DeMoss. Hello, sir. Welcome back to the Booths of the Diner. Well, thank you so much for having me again, John. And you know what keeps going through my head? What's that, sir? where's my sandwich
2: <laughs> what have you ordered so what would you like to order this evening in the after movie diner what would be your diner food of choice let's say we've just oh, come out of Thor if, II, I, if I could get my if I could get myself a Philly cheesesteak that would be
0: just prime
2: a Philly cheesesteak in New York well I mean you can, you can do that. That, that that's a thing <laughs> we could make that happen that wouldn't be a problem
0: Ah. You, well, and you're, hey, you're closer to Philly than I am, at least. Um, but but actually, you should come to Portland. We get some pretty good ones out here myself. Just
2: a, just 100 miles uh, south or so from a certain place where they shot Twin Peaks,
0: more or less. In, yes. 100, <laughs> 150 miles, something like that. Oh, yeah. We don't get that weird. Um, no. But we're close. We're, <laughs> we're, we're close.
2: But do you have places where you can get great pie? That's the important Oh, thing. my God, yes. Good. Well, that's that's all I you will, need, right?
0: I will get you pie. Excellent. Yes.
2: Excellent. Well, that's good. We have a standing... Uh, we just won't tell what? To, Yeah, <laughs> it's good. Hey, man, as long as uh, as long as Sherilyn Fenn and prime uh, Lara Flynn Boyle are propping up the, the joint, I, I, you know, I'm there <laughs> with bells on, um, dressed in like 1950s sweaters. Oh, Ooh. yes.
0: I'll see what I can do about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry, I just had a momentary geek out about Twin
0: Peaks. Then, that not a enjoyable. problem. Not a problem. It happens to the best of us. It does. Uh,
2: so, what we're going to do this episode is, you know, there's not one big theme. I guess it's the Marvel roundup of 2013. That's kind of what we're covering. Uh, and let me say, Marvel let me Man. say,
0: I am, uh, I, I do uh, actually very much like your, um, your tendency to wait. On these things, and to not have to uh, instantly respond in the moment, and so that that would allow us to take these in chunks, you know, right, like discrete, exactly. discrete blocks, yeah. without uh, you know the the pressure of uh, instantaneous reaction. Though obviously there's a there's a reason why we're putting this out now instead of anywhere else because of the latest debut but still you know it's been a, it's i've had like you know it's been out for like two weeks and i didn't see it till monday but i've yeah. at least had some time to process and i've been editing my episode on it all day so i'll try not to repeat myself
2: oh okay fair enough fair enough uh, no i think i saw it monday monday or tuesday one of those two days um that i saw i saw thor the dark world uh it's obviously not thor 2 uh, it's thor the dark world
0: But I'm Um, just going to keep calling it Thor 2 because (laughs) (laughs) that's Um, a silly, silly title.
2: Well, yes, indeed. But, I mean, you know, uh, and and it's odd because obviously Iron Man gets Iron Man 1, 2, and 3. But
1: Captain America
2: gets the first Avenger and then uh, uh, Thor is getting the Dark World and then the Winter Soldier is going to be Captain America 2. So,
0: yeah. And that one, well, that one at least actually makes sense uh, because of reasons, right? Um, yes, which we'll get to when Captain America two, comes, 2 out. comes out, right? Which won't be till April though. So uh, by the same token, I'm glad that we get to uh, you know talk about uh, these two now. Well, it'll probably
2: this will probably be my last comic book episode of the year. We'll probably round this will round out 2013, and and you know the three big things we're going to be talking about is Iron Man uh, three came out earlier in the year, which I've alluded to on Doctor Action and this show about, like, how I felt about it. So we don't need to spend hours on it. But, like, uh, we'll speak about Iron Man 3. We'll talk about the Marvel's first TV venture, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but, but briefly, and then uh, <laughs> we'll geek out on, on Thor 2 or Thor, the Dark World. <laughs> so that's our the, schedule anyway.
0: The Dark Void. Yes. Yeah, the Dark Void. <laughs> backward the or no th- what a, what what the thor the left hand of darkness That's... <laughs> or thor me of darkness Ooh, um, there we go <laughs> oh i gotta make that uh little uh jpeg shit or loki gotta...
2: of darkness of course you could have it as loki <laughs> of darkness if you didn't want to change it up um because he is everywhere but let's let's try not to get ahead of ourselves let's talk um Iron Man 3, which I saw back in the summer. I saw it in Massachusetts, uh, where I was staying, shooting a... Quick cameo on Matt Farley's latest film, Local Legends, available now on YouTube. The commentary is also available on YouTube through the After Movie Diner. And Matt Farley was our guest last week on the show. So everything ties together. The,
1: the,
0: the winds of positivity are flowing all around us. Uh, uh, why, John, are you saying you have a cameo in a film that is available for purchase now over it's, the Internet?
2: It's not available for purchase. It's available for free, nonetheless. Ah, oh, uh, and it's a very... It's a very small cameo in a film called Local Legends which is a black and white 73 74 minute uh, film that Matt Farley who does Freaky Farley murders monsters and marriage in Manch Vegas and Don't let the river beast get you films that we have covered previously on the show he is also uh, a prolific and uh, majestic songwriter has uh, recently appeared on as I said the Diner episode and the Bone Zone, which is brendan walsh 's podcast out in california and uh yeah he did a film that is sort of a what well, 's a very clever take on the artistic versus commerce dilemma while also being a kind of purposely uh self exposing uh Woody allen esque but with a kind of odd, surreal Massachusetts twist to it uh, kind of Stardust Memories type thing. It's very interesting, very exciting, very cool. Well,
0: it sounds like a rip-roaring good time that is also uh, universal, at least, to almost everyone who works in... Any facet of the entertainment industry.
2: Indeed, indeed. So I almost feel like I can't do a podcast now without mentioning Matt Farley, but I was up in the wonderful town of Danvers, Massachusetts, when I saw Iron Man 3, which I like to call uh, Lethal Iron Man Weapon
0: 3. As um, well you should. <laughs> it is the Shane Blackiest of uh, the, all these Marvel movies to date.
2: Yes. Well, uh, I mean, if- indeed, because it is it, it literally... It was almost like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was a failure, you know, tragically so, because it's a great, great film. But Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was a failure, and the moment Robert Downey Jr. got any clout in the industry again, he was like, Shane, buddy, come back and do your thing, and let's get it to millions of people. And that's kind of what this is.
0: And, And let's, yes, and let's make millions upon millions of dollars. Uh, <laughs> right, which
2: which you know the irony is is that suddenly shane black is a huge commodity again and you know they'll probably be falling over themselves you know whereas as great as it is and as much as i love shane black and i hope he makes a million more kiss kiss bang Bangs or lethal weapons or whatever he wants to do or last
0: kiss up, last kiss is good night and
2: right? last kiss is good night of course the 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 truth of the matter is is that if it's got marvel up the front if it's one of the Avengers movies and if it doesn't, you know, suck too hard, it's going to be a huge fucking success. So. True. Uh,
0: even more so if, um, there's, uh, if they film extra scenes specifically for release in the Chinese market. Right, exactly, yeah. And, and if they put the whole thing in 3D because uh, China only allows like 34 foreign films per year and 14 of those have to be in 3D, they just have to be nice, isn't it? Yeah, that's well. If you ever next time you're wondering why you're watching some shitty post conversion of a film that obviously wasn't meant for 3D, that would be why. Yes, yeah. just just for everyone's information. And watching it and watching Iron Man three now for like the third time, I finally caught the the Chinese heart doctor in in the prologue. Yes. He's he's on screen for like a half second. He's the guy Yinsen uh, uh, is trying to introduce to drunk tony and 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 but if you blink you miss it and i blinked those first two times <laughs> yes
2: but uh, no i picked this up on blu-ray when it came out as well so i have the the nice uh, blu-ray 3d edition so i have all the bells and whistles uh and it's you know it's it's a great uh, it's a great blu-ray though definitely suggest people go out and get it what would your take because you know you know me you know that i love the um balls to the wall, 90s action silliness. You know that I'm already, you know, my ticket was bought and paid for the moment the words Shane Black were announced.
5: Got a lot of apologies
2: to
3: make. Nothing's been the same, since New York.
1: You experience things and then they're over.
5: I can't sleep. And when I do, I have nightmares. Honestly, there's a hundred people who want to kill me. I hope I can protect the one thing I can't live without. There is no such thing.
2: self so sir, You're slightly more discerning. What were your feelings on, on Iron Man 3?
0: It was... Well, God, it was better than Iron Man 2. Thank Christ. Well, um,
2: everything's been better. I mean, everything apart from the Hulk movies have been better than Iron Man 2, more or less. Well...
0: But, but with this one, I was, I was especially... That was my primary concern uh, going in. And to uh, get there and to... Well... Even before we got there, uh, we were uh, fascinated. I say we. Uh, I mean, all of my comic book fans. We were fascinated. On the our tickets were bought by the presence of the Mandarin, right. uh, and and oh, the fact that I they, and the fact that they got Ben Kingsley uh, to play him was just like uh, icing on the cake because uh, it's Ben fucking Kingsley. I mean, right. shit. You know, you call a Brit, and and it kind of and in. Mandarin is, is uh, one of those interesting characters. He's been very plastic um, throughout his 40-plus year history for obvious reasons. I mean, he started off as a bald-faced yellow peril stereotype, and every writer that gets a hold of him since has tried to, like, edge away from that somehow while still kind of keeping the details in check. Or they've, they've completely given up. And, and just said, fuck it. Uh, so, uh, I going in, I knew uh, this that was either going to go one of two ways. Uh, so, and this might hopefully will surprise you, uh, I did not have the instantaneous negative reaction that uh, so many of my uh, brethren and sister did right. uh, to the uh, final reveal of the Mandarin's true nature in uh, about two-thirds of the way through this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my real criticisms for it would be just on the basis of uh, pure technical stuff like well not even that just like just like to technical story stuff as usual the villain plot in these and this has been true for most of these marvel movies i think as usual the villain plot is really kind of lame I mean, uh, you know, it, the, the plot itself amounts to, is Iron Man a bad enough dude to save the president? Right. And uh, any movie that I could sum up with a bad 80s video game reference is, it's obviously going to be a little down there. The
2: thing they had to do, though, with Iron Man 3, you know, w- w- what they've clearly done with these movies, and, it, it, you know, like you say, it shines through in the weakness of the villain each time, is they are... Telling Tony's story, they you know True. they are telling Tony's story, and the I liked the way that the third one, through all its uh, you know action movie nods, through all its what what was clever about it was in order to tell the story of Tony the man again, rather than Tony the Iron Man, it Shane Black is almost perfect for it because if Shane Black makes a movie, he doesn't want a lot of CGI, and he doesn't want uh, uh, people running around in suits. He wants like guys, you know what I mean? He wants like guys doing stuff. Indeed, so
0: it's yes, almost like the more th- the more unclothed, the better, right? And, and sweaty. So, suit. so it's more fan- it What it what is
2: hilarious about it is that the nineties action moviness that Shane Black brings to the project actually also helps to inform. Uh, Tony Stark's journey in terms of get him out of the suit, get him back to what is it that made Tony great in the first place? Because, you know, we're going to that line in The Avengers, you know, take away your iron armor and what the hell are you? And I know, like, he has that, you know, uh, witty comeback.
0: billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. But then what I really like about that is captain america's response to it which is i know guys with none of that worth 10 of you
2: right and And the whole movie and the genius of the tony stark through line through uh iron man one not so much iron man two the avengers half of two two. two, right yeah half of two the avengers and then iron man three which also let's be fair has to be a sequel to the avengers in some regard Um, just like a lot of those ones before The Avengers had to be clear prequels to it.
0: Um, well, they didn't They didn't have to be. No. I wouldn't make a normative claim like that. They uh, chose to be then. Yes, there we go. Yeah, that's better. But, uh, but, so it, it, the, the, just
2: to finish the through line, is that true. the fact that they managed to do that while also having a shit ton of fun uh, and while also basically making marvel's answer to a 90s action movie just in the same way that when we get onto it later thor 2 to some extent is marvel's answer to a lord of the rings movie or you know a game of thrones or whatever you want to like that fantasy element indeed yes indeed. it's what i like about it is that Marvel are playing with genres and Marvel is taking, or seemingly openly taking chances rather than doing the play it safe, keep him in the suit, have him face, you know, mere doppelgangers of himself type ongoing, tedious plot lines. You know which I mean? is,
0: yeah, which was, yeah, which was part of two's problem. Right. Um, so I will now let you have the floor again, David. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. Um, but, yeah, because you're, yeah, you're absolutely right um, in in the, say what you want about uh, Iron Man 2, but uh, he called, uh, back then he called the armor like a prosthetic, and which is wrong because that real prosthetic is that th- the glowy thing in his chest, right? Right. Um and so uh the plot of 3 is all about him facing up against this guy who uh n- you know at least at one point wanted to make prosthesis a thing of the past, right? Vestigial, redundant. And and so uh, uh with this thing, you know, extremists. I mean, it, it just happens to make you explode. Um and so through dealing with that, Tony learns that, that he, he no longer needs, uh, any of his prosthetics, uh, that the, the Iron Man is not, that what, what was inside him, the necessary to become Iron Man was, was not something that he found in a cave. In a in a box of scraps, it, it was already present. He just couldn't express it with his rich asshole lifestyle that he led. Uh, but but now he can because some asshole has gone and turned his life into a Shane Black movie. So so everything's getting ki- you know, everything's blowing up, and there's a there's a terrorist after him, and and, and everybody getting kidnapped and tortured, right? Uh, <laughs> all sorts of kidnapping and torturing up in here, and I. Uh, that that ameliorates um my one like ethical complaint with the whole movie, which is that after three films, if we count Avengers um pepper unfortunately is finally reduced to the damsel in distress role that I feared she would always be um but then again it 's a Shane black movie, so everybody getting kidnapped up in the movie right so and to uh, be, I'm like uh, okay. to be
2: fair, there is. Uh, in the best possible way, a Whedon esque twist to Pepper's <laughs> story, in terms of fuck it, let's make everyone in this
0: cast a superhero. <laughs> you know, what it's I mean? about fucking time, really. Right. I mean, they 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 also give Rhodey something something uh, awesome to do before the end of the movie, um, and in t- most of his awesome shit uh, takes place outside of the armor. Uh, which yeah, that goes along with your. Thesis on Shane Black. Dude, um, the last scene. right? The yeah, last the scene
4: takes place
2: down scenes. at the docks, right? Which <laughs> yeah. is like nineties action movie one oh one. It's either warehouse or it's the docks. Right? Or an oil rig, right. Or an oil or, rig, or, yeah, or a right. Battleship,
0: yeah, something like that. <laughs> right. And big and industrial, lots of catwalks, lots of pipes, right. and, and there's two guys sneaking around making uh, one one's making cracks and he's kinda crazy and, right. and the other one's a professional. Yeah. I mean, if,
2: if it's not, if they're not Riggs and Murta in the last 20 minutes of this movie, and I'm not just talking about the ethnicity, I'm talking about the character and everything, and what they're doing. Yes, absolutely. I yeah. don't know who he is Now, what, again, he does, which is really clever, is he gives the CGI 3D heads enough whiz-bangery to keep them all happy. You know, there's, like, multiple suits and blah, 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 blah.
0: Mm. But really, yes. us the, people... This- yeah, that climax is uh, yeah, that is some grade A suit porn. Which which right. not just the 3D heads. That is just that is there for for all we uh, actual Iron Man fans, because <laughs> <Right. laughs> because his uh, Tony's tinkering, as he calls it, is a major draw uh, to keep you coming back month month to month uh, to month.
2: Yeah, see. you see, but I I think that for what's good about it is it 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 gives like you say the people who want all that suit stuff uh, enough, while he also manages to give the action fans who are there to see a Shane Black, Robert Downey Jr. movie enough stuff for us to look at as well. It's it's a fantastic balancing act, that last scene. You know, and, and to be fair, the only argument I have with the whole film, the only problem I have with the whole film is that all the twists and turns, because there's plenty of moments in this movie where, oh, he uh, wasn't really in the suit. It was a... lot twist, yeah. It was a remote <laughs> control suit. But there's lots of moments where that happens, and those twists are done very nicely. But the twist about Tony having, like, 40 other suits, that was so heavy-handedly done. You saw them in the first five minutes of the movie. You, if, if, Like, you know they're coming back. And, and although they blow up Tony Stark's mansion, you know they don't blow up the secret underground lair with the 40 suits in it because you just saw them. So <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I didn't get the and, whole and big reveal. And to make matters worse,
0: end. you saw them all at the end of the, every single fucking trailer. Right, so, exactly, I, I, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think that was a. I don't think that was ever intended to be a surprise to like anyone. Right. Uh, I think it was intended as a major selling point. The only surprise is uh, for me was that there was nobody in each and every single one of those fuckers. Um, but of course, if there's not, then again, it reinforces the entire story theme and also pleasing the story nerds because yeah. the the suits are they, they're disposable, right? They're they're vestigial, redundant. Mm-hmm. They're they're prehensile. They well, don't need
2: them anymore. They're Jarvis, is what they are. Paul mm-hmm. Bettany is in each or one of them. Essentially, um, what, what <laughs> I uh, what what I like about it as well is obviously there's some casting nods. My boy William Sadler is obviously in there as the president. He's a good old uh, '90s uh, action action actor or, or you know character actor who popped up in action movies in the '90s. Good to see him in it. Vice then, President Miguel Ferrera. Yeah, Miguel yeah. Ferrer
0: I mean, Yeah, that was that was great. I saw him, I was like, oh shit.
2: Yeah, and not only that, but of course, uh evil Vice President Miguel Ferrera, because
0: you can't have,
2: you can't have Miguel Ferrer in a, in an action movie and him be the good guy. You just can't No it's never it's never <laughs> happened.
0: No. Gosh. Even Bob Morton sniffed Coke off Hooker's. Tits. Right, exactly. There's anything wrong with that.
2: <laughs> so that was that was pleasurable. I had to get a nod in there because obviously we were we were very lucky to have uh, uh, an interview with uh, Sadler earlier on in the year. And uh, what what a gentleman, what a, what a legend. And you know, I don't know about yourself, sir, but I hope they bring him back again and again and again. I hope he at least gets some
0: Avengers two cash he becomes the... You think he should be... Uh, you think this Marvel Universe should be uh, under the Sadler administration? I would not be opposed to that at all, actually. I, I don't- mean,
2: why not? I mean, he's... In Iron Man 3, to be fair, he's presented as a little
0: ineffectual as a president. so But maybe that works I would... perfectly well in a superhero universe, because what the fuck else are they going to do? Right, exactly. If the president can solve shit.
2: <laughs> but all I'm saying is that I want Sadler to get some of that sweet, sweet Marvel coin, and uh, the more movies they can crowbar him into, the better. Plus, it keeps up their beloved continuity that they uh, that I have to say in Thor 2, they do a very good job of scrabbling around and trying to tie up the whole... Sorry, how did Thor get down to Earth for Avengers again? Um, they did a very good job of doing that, <laughs> Thor too, uh, which we'll get on to later. Any, any um, uh, favorite well, bits in Iron Man
0: 3? Yes, unfortunately, you made the mistake of mentioning continuity and the, mentioned that to a comic book fan it's like putting uh blood in the water uh because that's the that would be the other uh that would be the real major tec- technical uh problem i have with with iron man 3 you know my at least during the th- last third of the movie you know the first two thirds i'm i was rolling along happy as clam you know just fine um, but, uh, you know, by the time you get to the vice president's, uh, you know, plot to team up with a terrorist to assassinate his, the president, uh, I'm starting to wonder, you know, this is kind of Captain America's detail. Where, where the hell is he in all of this? Right. Uh, honestly, that would be question one. And then we find out um, that uh, Tony is – that this whole movie has been a, framed as a flashback. And Tony is telling, or trying to tell, to, to Dr. Bruce Banner. And, and I'm wondering, okay, um, where where the hell has he been uh, this, this whole time? I mean, you know, it, it'd, be, it, it'd be real convenient uh, to uh, have a, a Hulk sleeping on your couch uh, if you call out a uh, terrorist mastermind on live TV in front of the hospital where your traumatized friend is staying. Uh,
2: what, what I would argue, though, I mean, surely because they've done this in comic books, they've had, you know, they have the Avengers comic books, but then they also have the Iron Man comic books and they have the Hulk comic books and whatever. And True. sometimes the Hulk, you know, joins forces with other people and other things in the Marvel Universe that isn't the Avengers and sometimes, they, you know, at, at um, so, I understand the argument because at the end of the day, it's like at the it, oh, it's
0: it's not even really an argument. This is just the things that go through my head. Right? Uh,
2: <laughs> the argument is is like, what bad threat could any single one of them face that they couldn't just pick up the phone and say, "Excuse me, Captain," and "Excuse me, Holt," could you come down here and help me out? You know what I mean? If they've defeated Loki and a swarm of intergalactic, you know, alien beasties, um, really, then anything should be fair game. And I'm saying that they're going to get to a point, and it'll be interesting to see phase three, phase four, phase five, if we even get there, to see sort of what uh, villains they can throw at these guys that so they can't just dust off their shoulders with gay, gay abandon, you know?
0: <laughs> or to see where they go after uh, dusting them off with, with gay abandon. I yeah, we have we comic book nerds have some idea of whom they're going to be facing, but as as well, Iron Man three, for example, tells us our ideas of of what these characters are and what they'll be on screen are not always correct. Uh, more often than not, they're not. Right. So I'm just wondering where the hell everybody is. You know, I, I just want like one throwaway line is some kind of an excuse. Oh, you, you mean know, like maybe, the line
2: in The Avengers where they say about Natalie Portman, they go, oh, she's offered some facility yes, somewhere. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs>
0: yes, Nath- and, and it shows her head on the screen like, yeah. sir, not appearing in this film. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then and then in the sequel, you know, suddenly, yeah, we're in London now, um, which tells me that, yes, they are running these things very much in the sim- same vein that uh, the comic book company would run uh continuity, in that um, it's continuity that I feel the need to put sarcastic air quotes around. Right, because um, at the end of the
2: day, it's about the story of the main character. That's right. what they're focusing on, and what's interesting is that they're... And thank fo- God. I, Oh, you know, completely thank God. Like, for people like us who like character and like script and like acting and like directing the fact that they're giving all of these to like different directors interesting directors they're giving they're writing them in such a way that each of them have their own vibe their own feel that that each of the characters get to tell their individual stories that's fascinating and great and also within keeping with the beauty of comic books, like the beauty of comic books is not necessarily the villain of the week or the villain of the series or the villain of the whatever. The beauty of comic books is the length of time they get to tell the character's story and yes. what they can put characters through. And, you know, the Marvel movies, the more, su- the more successful ones out of the bunch are the ones that have a clear idea and a clear focus of where their character is going. and, you know rightly or wrongly, they've done very well in over f- three and a half movies uh, telling um, Tony's story with as a viewer I think pinpoint clarity with a lot of great uh, a lot of great scenes a lot of great dialogue and a lot of great moments and I can't really ask
0: much more of my comic book movies than that to be honest uh- yeah, I perfectly agree with that, and and I would add the corollary that I actually prefer cinematic Tony Stark a hell of a lot more than his two dimensional counterpart. Right? Uh, he's got less blood on his hands for one thing. <laughs> yes, they can. Well, they and he's know, they much more over personable, and and since he's gotten popular, um, his comic book counterpart has gotten uh, significantly less dickish, which uh, I know would seem anathema to Tony Stark, but but yeah, you have no idea how bad this could have gotten, how fast. It's and just, we re- really lucked out here with the Iron Man series. It's just odd if you think about it, that oh, a, I have. A,
2: a guy who was dragged through uh, hell and back by the media and by newspapers and whatever because of his drug uh, issues and prison issues, which I never had an issue, I never had a problem with, but you know, uh, the media right, and so on did. you got to sell papers. Right? right. Coupled with a guy whose, let's be fair, most famous movie was Swingers, like a, a little indie movie from about 10 or 15 years ago or whenever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and a guy, Joss Whedon, who, uh, you know, had had all of his series cancelled and the l- most recent one sort of tragically cancelled before it even made the end of the first season. And... These three people, more than any other three people, have been responsible for a lot, you know, 90% of the great shit that's come out of Marvel in the last five years.
0: I would add uh, the name Kevin Feige to that list, um, but he's a producer, so you don't see him very often. No, yes. I,
2: no, I know that there are, you know, like there was behind the Spider-Man movies uh, and behind this. I know that there is Marvel heads who are uh, producing but, and. But in this and so case, on.
0: in 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 the case of the um, the continuity that begins with Iron Man. And everything after that, Uh, we can really pin it down to uh, one dude, and his name is Kevin Feige. He used to be the head of the toy line in the 90s, which means he was the guy basically keeping the doors open at Marvel uh, during their lean years. And he just got himself kicked upstairs and became the uh, more or less liaison between the office in New York and uh, Hollywood, first at Paramount and now at Disney. Uh, but you so- see, the,
2: the good thing he has done, which I think all good producers should do, and the reason why I'm talking up uh, Downey Jr., to, you know, to, to, to some extent John Favreau, but more so Downey Jr., is that, you know, Iron Man 3 is Iron Man 3 is Iron Man 3. Make no mistake, because of Robert Downey and Susan Downey. And and the pull and the sway and the power and the ideas and everything else that they've been able to get because of the success of the first two and the success of the Avengers. And yes. he has used it. Yes, he's being paid vast sums of money, and I know there's a whole, oh. like, um, bitch about that behind the scenes, but he has, to his credit, used it, uh, his creative power, um, in 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 my opinion, in great great ways, and none more so than Iron Man three. Uh, partnering with someone who was a big part, not a Mel Gibson-sized part, and I hate to give Mel Gibson any credit, but if you want, but still, if you yes. want to give Downey Jr., if anyone, if anyone is looking at Downey Jr. going, oh man, what a recovery, what a recovery, you've got Gibson. Ten years ago, you've got Gibson, and you owe him, <laughs> you owe him fucking props because without Gibson, Downey Jr. doesn't get hired for about five years. So, Indeed,
0: um, and and hell, he yeah, uh, and his <laughs> wife,
2: and Susan Downey. You've got to give her a huge credit from being, you know, from him being in Gothica Onwards, like she really ferried his career into the right right areas and the right arenas, and bless her too. But you know, he Downey Junior has used it this very creative way, and he's you know getting Shane Black in there, um, and and yeah, maybe egotistically, but also to the benefit of the fans, telling Tony's story the way they have. I couldn't be. You know, I couldn't be happier, and certainly after after Iron Man two, um, you know, and that's why Kevin Feige seems like a decent guy. He's like, look, we've got good people on board. What more do I need to know? I can either stand in the way of this thing or stand to the side and let it happen. And I think that's what a good producer has to do. A, a good producer, as much as he can say, "Oh, look, okay, look, the overall image of Marvel and blah 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 has to be maintained, and we have to keep this." story going towards this so that it links up with that yes he's got all that to do with with joss whedon and and ferrying it through into the phase two and phase three but
0: and now james gunn and right. now whoever they're gonna hire for um yeah whatever but they whedon next. is
2: now like in camp marvel like whedon is directing behind the scenes a ton of these things even if he's not writing them directly or directing them directly a lot of storylines are now flowing through him and his and Kevin Feige and other people. But, you know, it's what is nice about it, though, is instead of it being a dictatorship with a couple of guys at the top who are saying, no, it just has to be done this way, and them getting just sort of shitty hack directors to kind <laughs> of. Um, I yes. know your opinions have gone, but I'm saying they're not going to. They're sticking with the Favreau, Ramey, Jackson mold of. Let's get these guys who are, you young know... Young up-and-comers, well, you not, know? Just, not so young up-and-comers, but, like, interesting good. directors, as yeah. opposed to just some schlub that, like, directed the some Bond movie or directed some fucking generic action piece of shit, you know, like the immortals or something. Let's put whoever <laughs> did that in charge or whatever. They're not doing that. They're not going what I like to call the Luke Besson route because Luke Besson produces nope. all these French movies yes. and he gets yes. like Olivier Megaton and fucking those people to direct them. They're actually going full hog and getting interesting people behind the scenes and to their credit and to their benefit.
0: That's all I'm saying. Indeed, and I'd agree with that as well. Yes, I mean, I never would have thought uh, that I'd get any kind of comic book movie uh, directed by Shane Black. Say nothing of an Iron Man movie. And it seems the perfect fit in in retrospect. For I this mean, story,
2: I don't think Shane another, Black could go on and tell other stories, but for this story, I think it's the perfect fit.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it it, it would have to be. I mean, I can't even think of an Iron Man 3 divorce from the shane black vision of being set at christmas time and
2: oh yeah the christmas time awesome. setting it was so
4: funny Double
0: half, crosses.
2: yeah halfway through the movie i was suddenly like half i couldn't believe i didn't notice it but halfway through the movie it suddenly walloped me in the head and i was like it's at a christmas that's so awesome and i suddenly got a huge kick out of the fact <laughs> that Shane Black did that, because there's no need to do it, but it's just so wonderfully Shane Black. That Indeed. You, it's oh, I'm great. telling
0: you, man, I, I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, I know who we're working with here. Yeah, now you're cooking with Black.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like when you first saw the classic, Raimi's classic car was Uncle Ben's car, and then it got involved in a car chase during Spider-Man 1. You <laughs> yeah. were just like... I, it's the evil dead car in, in a massive blockbuster having a car chase with spider-man you know this was obviously before Raimi uh, committed the cardinal sin so it's fine and um oh it's yeah, still fine
0: because the the emotion holds true yeah my uh, hair on the
2: back of my neck was just like it's the fucking classic man with spider-man in a car chase
0: how <laughs> awesome is that Indeed, and in this case, yes, Shane Black's directing an Iron Man movie. Um, what yes. was your feeling on the kid thing? The whole mm, kid. I sub- storyline. I was afraid you were gonna. I was afraid you might. You might ask about Haley, uh, not Joel Osmond. Right. I don't know. He he was okay. Eh. I'm like, eh. Uh, he gives he he uh, gives Tony good setups. That's pretty much what. You know, uh, you could say the same of all of the supporting cast. But what's interesting is they cut that
2: whole, although he does mention it in the final movie, they cut the whole bullying thing. Because there was a whole bit where the bully that has been bullying him shows up when the the water tower melts and demolishes. And uh, Haley has to save him. And Downey has to save the bully that's been bullying him. And there's this whole thing. And they cut all that out. Uh, thankfully,
0: (laughs) Uh, because who gives a shit? I had not, I had not, yeah, I had not, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why. Oh, because it would have completely killed the pace of act two. That would be
2: why. That's entirely why. Uh, The other thing, the only thing, the only thing with the kid storyline that I was like, is the fact that at the end, the Iron Man suit is suddenly built again. When did that happen, and did the kid do it, and who did it, and how did they do it, and when? Because Tony seems to spend most of his time in Bedford Falls. I'm going to call it Bedford Falls. He spends most of his time (laughs) in Bedford Falls fighting with glowy women in diners uh, or, or like, you know, saving people from falling water towers. I don't remember him spending – I know he goes to the supermarket and buys up a lot of stuff, but I don't remember him, like, actually doing any work
0: on the soup. Yeah, because that's all. Well, no, the suit was just out of juice because it had to fly all the way from California to Tennessee while well, he was passed out from. But it was also out. destroyed. Well, it, well, a building fell on it. That's not really like destroyed. <laughs> destroyed. <laughs> and it's, it had been in
2: the ocean and everything. And it, else.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but that was just like there's just like one like one house. Not even the whole house. Just like half the house fell yeah. fell on it.
2: There was a huge in Act three. There was a huge. Um, leap of logic in order to get from Tony being kidnapped to Tony being able to summon the suit hundreds of miles away. There was a huge like leap in logic where you're just meant to go, ah, okay, it's an Iron Man suit. Fine. Let's presume he can do that. <laughs> <Move>
0: on. <laughs> One would hope you'd have satellite uh, link up to those things that you implant in your arms that, See, uh, see, this is the difference between you and me. I, uh, I just gloss right over that one. I'm like, uh, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, fair And enough. it's a nice image. Uh, all that, sh- all the pieces in the armor flying out of the kid's barn. Uh, I'm more concerned about, you know, what fuck, you know, what kid has a barn like their own garage barn? Well, that, that's that just. That's believable within that area, within that... All his? Is that just all his, though? You know, where's mom? We never see her. What... Is, is she eventually well, going to like...
2: Doesn't he have troublesome parents or trouble with his parents or they well, don't understand? Well, Dad left to
0: get scratchers uh, six years ago. He's supposed to have a mom and a little sister. We never see either yeah. one of them.
2: Well, that's why he can take over the barn because, and I'm not being sexist here, but the, what's the mom and the little sister doing in a barn? He can, he, you know... Right. She's at work and... that's the man of s- the house, that he can have the barn, right? And somewhere I don't, else, right? Uh, I don't mean yeah. to be
0: sexist, but that is the case. So. Oh, yeah. And it's not important anyway, because the sooner we get out of Tennessee, um, the sooner we can get on with the actual plot, which, of course, takes us to Miami, where it doesn't really – another place where it won't really matter that it's
2: Christmas. <laughs> right. But the other thing that I also the, – the, the scene that I love in Miami more than anything is his raid on the house using Christmas
0: ornaments. That is genius. And the and, yeah, and the glove, the power glove, the power that
2: glove that he's made out of like some co hangers and a yeah, <laughs> like so, metal yeah. chain of armor. Probably. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, it is, it's but great. it's great. And it's, um, I, I also love the fact that when they uh, storm the complex, he's carrying around a car battery attached to the suit. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's uh, it's Tony Stark as um, James Bond.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but it's great it's like it's, it's
0: innovative and interesting bond movies shit
2: <laughs> oh uh, yeah well um anything's <laughs> better than craig is james bond but uh well no craig is better than brosnan but um indeed uh well oh, no, no 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 um brosnan was a better bond he got worse movies craig has had better movies but is a worse bond if that makes any sense
0: it does but I'd still say that's unnecessarily hair splitting and, but uh, but uh, I'd still take uh, any Iron Man movie or all of them hands down any day not over week. all of them not over anything featuring T. Dalton uh, I'll take that over anything featuring Scarlett Johansson actually um, but she's in your Avengers it, it, okay and yeah. soon to be in Winter Soldier that's yes that's true
2: because, sadly, they haven't done what we suggested. Do you remember back on the Avengers episode we said that they should take Black Widow and they should take Hawkeye and they should do little, like, groovy, independent, one-off movies for them? Not big they blockbusters. really should. But uh, little, they- groovy, personal story, no CGI, you know, tell them. Oh, fucking- have
0: all the CGI you want. I don't give a fuck. Uh, just as long as they're um, spy-fi. Because uh, that's what those two do best. Yeah. Um, right. Though recently Hawkeye's moved uh, into the, the the Russian neighborhood uh, of New York and he's started doing more um, street-level uh, justice fighting in his book. And it's gone to some interesting places. So maybe do that shit.
2: I, I do have to say that the whole uh, little bit of point, because this was 2013 Marvel News, so I can bring it up. But Jeremy Renner bitching that Hawkeye wasn't the character he wanted him to be in the Avengers. Renner, shut up and cast your fucking check. You're in the fucking Avengers. You turned up in Thor for 30 seconds. We're perfectly happy to do that. So <laughs> what are you bitching about? Oh, I walked around as a zombie. That was part of the plot, dude. Do you think Skarsgård was whinging? I didn't know he was wigging around as a zombie. Skarsgård well, was just like, fuck it, I'm going to cast a check and go back to... Iceland, or wherever he's from.
0: He, he's used to. He at least is used to working with Lars von Trier, where you walk around like a zombie the whole movie. Anyway, oh, I'd I say, say
2: those three words. Ugh.
0: I'd say, yeah, right. I, I've found your kryptonite. Um, no, I'd say, <laughs> uh, I'd say that uh, Jeremy actually has a perfectly fine point, and that he should keep uh, shooting his mouth off about it until they give him his own goddamn movie. Well,
2: they should give him his own goddamn movie. That's agreed. That's that, No argument with me there. But if that's the story that the Avengers had to tell, that's the Avengers. He's still got to look. He's still got to run around on rooftops in New York City firing arrows like a cool motherfucker. Like, he didn't miss out on all the good shit. That's what I'm saying.
4: And he got and his true.
2: he got his and- weepy, meaningful scene with fucking Johansson. So like, we can't go around. Oh, well, you know the first act. Okay, the first act, nobody did anything. So stop talking. Like the first act is all set up. Shut up. By the second, <laughs> by the second act, where the Hulk is running around and you're fighting Widow and all
0: the rest of it, you're back in the fray.
2: Stop complaining, seriously.
0: Well, in the in the first act though, he got a he got to pull a straight up heist, um, right. completely. Exactly. Uh, he got to the hang out with Loki eye and his boys thing, and that that fucking eye scanner thing. That sure. yeah. Mm. Yeah. So
2: he, can, he, all I'm saying is, I don't want to hear people. People who get to be actors in Avengers movies, I don't want to hear anyone complaining. That's all I'm saying. Uh, now, in terms of paying them and and the pay disparity and all the rest of it, then I'm I'm totally on the side of everyone should be more or less getting the same kind of deal.
0: Right, However, and I'd heard I'd heard Downey used his newfound powers in order to swing that deal for his fellow cast members. I got,
2: heard that was I, I heard that he was holding out. On Iron Man four, four and six. Avengers two, yeah. based on that. But I have not heard that they've definitively come back and agreed to pay them any more. Well, so I, I doubt don't.
0: that they would. I doubt that anyone would uh, make that n- news public. Jesus, that, right. that wouldn't benefit anyone politically. Now no.
2: But Downey, as far as Downey, you know, and that's the other genius thing. And we'll we'll round off our talk on Iron Man three there, here. But the other genius thing about the end of Iron Man 3 is it is Downey going, there you go, there's your trilogy, there's your lot, I can walk away from this and I never have to come back. But equally, he can come back and you know he can come back and be Iron Man again. But at the same time, he can leave at the end of Iron Man 3 and never have to be back as Iron Man
0: again, because it's done, he's told his story, we move on. And that's the genius of the way they did it. And they can and they can back a truckload of money up to his house, which is probably what they'll do. I and mean, he wants never, them
2: to back a truckload of money up to the other Avengers' houses. That's what he wants.
0: Indeed, if it's what a, he said is to be believed, and that's a that's a damn fine thing he's doing, which which I completely salute. Um, and and yes, uh, and the end of the movie, let me tell you, uh, because of the way it ended, caused no end of confusion among the comic book fans, at least in my circle of, uh, you know, I, I got it in one, but, but everybody else was like, so, so is he, is he no longer Iron Man anymore? Is the, the things out of his chest. What the, what the hell? And, uh, and I'm like, dude, it dudes, it's, it's, it's metatextual politics. You you got to deal with this shit now. The, the, <laughs> this is there's like a billion dollars at stake every year. So yeah, this is how it's going to be from now on. Oy. right, the suit can
2: still have it in though. It doesn't have to be powered by his heart.
0: Oh hell! And Don Cheadle will certainly, I'm sure, sign up to be in Avengers two should they call upon him. Right. Uh, he should get his own fucking movie too. I always loved War Machine for various reasons. Um, but uh, let's see. Besides that, um, yeah. Any
2: yeah. further points on Iron Man Three before we leap into uh, Agents of Shield?
0: Nope that that's about it. Uh, decent movie, yeah. Decent
2: movie, yeah. I give it a four out of five. I I loved it. I thought it was great. Nice to see Shane Black. You know, there are some things that uh, I wouldn't have done. I think the middle is a little sloppy. Uh, I think that the kid thing is a little odd. But I'm liking that. You know, and we'll get on this with Thor too as well, but I'm liking that Marvel's kind of having a bit of fun. Like, they're kind of doing a bunch of different stuff. I don't... I don't mind that. If you're taking the odd risk, if some p- pay off and some don't, I'd rather that than just, no, our focus group said this plays well, so we're going to do this. I'd much rather what they're doing than, than the, the alternative, you know?
0: Well, that's the beauty of a uh, shared superhero universe in that it can literally contain everything, every right. genre, any color you like, take it or leave it. You got, it you, know, you got your spy-fi over here. You got your high fantasy over now. You got your, you know, whatever you want. You got it. Oh, and I will say one thing, and I'll say this definitively. I will take the Iron
2: Man trilogy, even with the sloppy second one, I will (laughs) take the Iron Man trilogy over Nolan's Batman trilogy any day of the week. Sorry, guys, but I will.
0: I accept your apology.
2: Because uh, the Nolan Batman trilogy, there's one great film, uh, one average film, and one terrible film. Whereas in the Iron Man series, uh, there are two great films and one mistake. Your show. So that's what I think.
0: Because
2: uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Dark Knight Rises. Ugh. Well,
0: it's okay. You, you can be wrong. You're, it's fine. I'm not wrong. But, it's your show. Uh, And you're not wrong because we're
2: just opinionated, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and opinions uh, are just that. So no one's wrong. And that's the beauty of the diner. Let's move on to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or as I've taken to call it, Agents of...
5: For years, the truth was
1: hidden. People from other times, other worlds, heroes. But now we know... They're
0: among us. What does S.H.I.E.L.D. stand for, Agent Ward? Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division.
5: And what does that mean to you?
0: It means someone really wanted our initials to spell out S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm clearance level six. I know that Agent
3: Coulson was killed in action before the Battle of New York. Welcome to level seven.
0: What is that
5: that's a superhero agent ward we worked the cases shield hasn't classified the strange the unknown it's not just spy versus spy anymore the whole world's in on the action you're in danger what do you
1: mean danger shield i should carry a
0: shield shield government scary men in dark suits who come after guys like you
3: Is that who I think it is? She's just the pilot. Melinda May is just the pilot.
0: Fitz Simmons. Fitz. Simmons. I'm engineering. She's biochem.
1: It's not of this earth. We will rise against those who shield us from the true, And nothing can stop us in the...
5: There are two ways we can do this.
1: Oh, is one of them the easy way?
5: No. No. We're
1: not exactly a team player.
5: We're not exactly a team, but we're in a position to do some good. I've seen giants. The good ones are not heroes because of what they have; it's what they do with it the only ones interested in people with powers only take the shot if you have to
0: we have a couple of hours at most there's no way that we could
5: don't ever tell me there's no way don't touch lola
0: Ugh, do uh, we have to? Do because uh, yeah. But okay. Well, th- what, what if you were looking for a spirited defense of of someone's of something? Then uh, you're not going to get it out of me because it's network TV. What the fuck do you expect? I'm like, eh, you know what I expected. I
2: ex- I, expected... I know what
0: you. Yes, I know what you expected. But tell the people. Yes, okay,
2: tell... I expected that with a setup that is basically a bunch of disparate. Loners on a for you know a flying ship, right? Yeah. Going around the you know periphery of our earthly daily lives, solving little conundrums and doing little X filey type things on the side. I expected Whedon to go. You know what? Here's my opportunity. To, now, I'm not going to cast it the same way, but here's my opportunity to do what I do best and do a Firefly Buffy type ensemble cast going around and having lots of fun and lots of japes with lots of interesting uh, dark twists and turns and lots of character points and lots of, you know, intriguing plot lines and everything that he does. Seemingly, in everything else, fantastically well. Even on network television, as rocky as Buffy's ever-changing channel road was on when it was first <laughs> screened, and, uh, and as rocky as his relationship became with Fox, it it <coughs> he always yeah I know he always could even in the di- most difficult of circumstances do great great Don't work. Nuts. So. <laughs> Why, when he's handed the fucking reins and the keys... The key, I know he can't have, like, fucking sex or swear words or too, go, too much gore or anything like that, but, the fuck, when did interesting characters need any of that? He can do a shit-ton on network TV with some decent writing, and I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the classic uh, result of two major problems. One, Whedon being stretched way too thin by Marvel, and two... Nepotism, because as much as we love Whedon, there's real no evidence that his brother and his brother's wife can write for the
0: fucking anybody.
2: So there's no evidence to say nothing of
0: uh, to say nothing of um, the name that stands out to me in Agents of Shields, uh, you know, cast and crew is uh, Jeff Loeb, who whom is a uh, comic book writer of dubious quality right Uh, he has a couple of great uh, Batman uh, collections under his belt available in finer bookstores Um, but everything he's done since has been of a it's been a roller coaster it's he's all over the map this fucking guy Um, he was one of the people most primarily responsible for heroes if that tells you anything right Um, so, and, and yes, he is, yeah, and...
2: But you see, to me, that says to me, Heroes, that was a, a thing where, um, it was cancelled, right?
0: Indeed. After, after several seasons, though, it had a decent long run. And before that, though, before that, um, Loeb, and he really crashed and burned in my eyes, um, by being responsible for, yeah, uh, well, he was the supervising producer On Smallville. Right. Which,
2: you know, I I don't have any of of that baggage with him, but I believe what you say and I accept what you say. So, but you see, I just see... um, yeah, I, I think everyone was like, yeah, Whedon's doing another TV series, only this time he's going to get the fucking Keys to the Kingdom. And I think we're all duped in that. That clearly wasn't what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was. He was there at the beginning. He was the face of it. He did the first episode. And then he went, bye, brother. I'm off to do whatever other 500 things I've got to do for Marvel um, and, uh, you know, work out what Avengers, Avengers 2 is going to be and It'd so be on. Be smart. Yeah. Right. And so... You know, the the, the the problem is, and I, I I absolutely hate to say this, I absolutely hate to say this, but Clark Gregg worked as a, as a recurring funny little cameo in all the movies. As the lead of a show, I hate to say this, I can't believe I'm saying this, he doesn't work. He does not work at all. Now, the writing is abysmal. It shot like a 1980s soap opera. The pretty, uninteresting, uh, untalented, facile cast are irritating at best, with only the um, Asian pilot being even the most remotely interesting actor, but never really getting to flex her muscles in any way at all, either acting or physically in a way that would be at all pleasing the action scenes seem to stop before they've even started the plots are like something they've dredged up out of the fucking dukes of hazard or something it's like it's just so generic and obvious and seen it all before tedium You know, I mean, they had an episode, the last episode I watched, which was meant to be about, like, her under this, you know, the computer hacker, is she or isn't she good or bad? Nobody cares. Who gives a fuck? Snoresville. But anyway, her, the implausibly attractive computer hacker, had <laughs> an implausibly handsome computer hacker boyfriend. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't just fucking start doing this. You can't. What I'm saying is you can't have an episode of fucking th- where they're all meant to be like working for an underground computer network of people who are meant to have like political beliefs and technological ability and all the rest fake, of it. Fake WikiLeaks
0: are, are well, yeah, fake WikiLeaks or yeah. Yeah, one I of can't believe to, it's not
2: WikiLeaks. <laughs> well, it's meant to be anonymous, like the, but, the fucking V for Vendetta crew.
0: It's meant no, to be the those rising, guys. Yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah, right, whatever. Right, the rising which, Tide.
2: Which, by the way, every single TV show from fucking this through to fucking elementary through to wherever else is doing this storyline at the moment. But anyway... Of
0: course, it's TV. Right? No, no, of, I, no, no, of I know. No.
2: But, <laughs> of, of course. Uh, of but,
0: course. But, um... It's television, Mr. Wayne.
2: But to have this fucking six-foot-three chiseled underwear model wandering (laughs) around with no fucking beliefs or opinions or interesting character traits or anything, I'm like, I literally sat there. This is the only time I've ever done this while watching TV. And I can look. I can sit and watch, you know, generic shitty tv as long as it has decent characters you know what i mean as long as there's like a couple of quirky people wandering, around. you know at a certain point house became generic you know derivative crappy tv but because you In had the second
0: episode yes right
2: <laughs> yeah very good but you know uh you had hugh Laurie there you had uh um uh robert what's his name you just had some decent people you had uh,
0: oh, uh, uh um house do you mean <sighs> oh, what what what? Sorry. Oh, you don't want. Anyway,
2: okay, fair enough. I quite liked it as a medical version of Sherlock Holmes. It was fine. but anyway. Right. Um, I uh,
0: kind of, sort of, eh, sometimes, uh, like S.H.I.E.L.D. as a uh, Marvel Universe version of every other fucking cop show on television right now, which is... Pretty much what it's uh, wind up to be wound up being. Most of the plots are uh, fetch quests culled from the most generic uh, comic book titles. Um, just recently, the last episode I watched uh, was the obligatory tie-in to Thor 2, uh, of all things, which found our, our team cleaning up uh, Greenwich University. In the aftermath of the film, and and then going on a fetch quest for uh, some Asgardian relics, it, 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 uh, I'm like, yeah, uh, is it what it is? It, is uh, boilerplate, uh, run of the mill, uh, the mill in this case being Disney and ABC. So let me tell you, my expectations for this were in the fucking toilet. Going through just. Past the toilet, in fact, and burrowing their way towards the center of the Earth. And uh, regardless of Whedon's involvement, because I knew going in, there's there's no fucking way he's going to run a TV show and do pre-production for Avengers 2, especially since they're going to go ahead and do uh, Ultron, which they ain't even introduced yet. So God knows what's going on there. Uh, So... Yeah, um, my expectations were uh, completely exceeded, obviously, by by the fact that it does not outright suck, not to the degree that uh, so many of the shitty cop shows on TV do.
2: See, I would I mean, argue that it does outright suck, and I would say that it is, even with low expectations, well below middle of the road. Um, I, I, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's because, and it's not. It, it's not in its setup. It's in the writing. It's, it, the writing is abysmal. I mean, just abysmal. It could have the 80s soap opera production values, and it could have the pretty people wandering around. If you wrote them anything half fucking decent to say or do. In fact, fuck doing. If they just wrote them something decent to say. That at least would save it. Because look, what's Buffy? Buffy is a bunch of pretty people wandering around dealing with generic monsters that we've seen a hundred times. No one's kidding anyone that that is like high art, but he put shit <laughs> in their mouths <laughs> that you wanted to hear people say. And that's what, that's the very minimum I expect from something like this, is that the, out of their mouths will come something I could give half a you know, moldy turd about occasionally, sometimes. But I sat through the first six or whatever episodes of it was and I just wanted to eat a bullet. I mean, it was so abysmal and, and just, you know, oh, I mean, just shockingly, I couldn't get behind any of it. I don't care about the pretty tortured boxing dude. I don't care about the pretty tortured hacker. I don't care about the goofy European... Probably slightly effeminate fucking scientists. I don't care about whatever <laughs> happened to fucking some of the some
0: of the people I follow. They they call them the the European Wonder Twins. Right, they're just <laughs> tedious.
2: Agent Carlson, like what, they they keep doing this thing, and this is this is typical Whedon, but it's typical Whedon going unchecked and not. Uh, carefully done this whole what really happened to agent colson because it certainly wasn't that he went to an island somewhere some government mysterious thing has happened to him hasn't it oh yes and the agent pilot knows all about it and oh oh, oh, oh. right so but it's so heavy-handedly done man it's so badly done (laughs) there's no like subtlety to it it's just so. Well, no, of course not.
0: It's network television. Okay, stop subtlety <laughs> went out the window around uh, about the time uh, Keith or Sutherland started uh, attaching, uh, you know, jump leads to people's balls. There's no subtlety here. We got to get the, the fucking uh, punters who are still dumb enough to watch network TV. Dude,
2: I'm telling you, I sit and watch The Mentalist with my wife all the time. And I'm sorry. No, no, I don't mind. It's fine. Quirky characters solving crimes each week. I don't mind. It's good fun. But I have to say there are better, more brave, better written, more exciting um, and more subtle and interesting things going on in that show than there ever was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I'm not even kidding. And you know that I love good writing and you know that I love uh, all the stuff that I like. So I'm not talking out of my ass or trying to make Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. worse than it is. I'm saying that something that most people would look at as a, you know, middle-aged housewife's pursuit of TV, something throwaway like The Mentalist, has more interesting, subtle, inventive, dark things going on in it than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that just shouldn't be the fucking case. Hell Castle has had better episodes than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. It has. Castle has had some genuinely, like, dark and interesting episodes. Not every single one of them. Most of them are terrible. But Castle has had some interesting, dark and, and, and uh, well-done episodes that if, if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had had one of those in the first six episodes, I would still be watching it. But they didn't even have one. They couldn't even muster one even remotely passable interesting episode. Not even a Castle-worthy episode. So. But see, the thing is,
0: Castle has been on the air for four years, and but Castle uh, from its first season was interesting on I'll certain to, episodes. I'll have to take your word for that. I'm just, yeah, I'm still pissed at Nathan Fillion for not being in the live action Green Lantern movie like he should have been. Um, but I agree. The but the thing is, even with and and. You're not going to find a bigger uh, fan of the uh, we call it the Buffyverse than than me. But but even admitting that, I mean, shit, uh, Buffy didn't get go- uh, good until like halfway through season two, and and the same is true uh, more or less of Angel. And I thought, uh, or at least I used to think, that this was the real tragedy of Firefly that as good as it fucking was. You know, we were all really pissed off that it got canceled before season two, which is when all uh, of Whedon's shows actually find their mark. No, the
2: tragedy of Firefly is that it's the best thing anyone has ever done who is involved with Firefly, and they'll never, ever, ever, ever better
0: it ever. Okay, I'll just send my my old understanding down the memory hole and, and accept the new... No, 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 Uh no. no!
2: I'm just saying that Nathan Fillion will never get a role as good as Mal Reynolds. Joss Whedon will never write anywhere close to 12 TV episodes that are that well-crafted, well-scripted, well-acted. It's just never going to happen. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is huge amounts of proof of that. He had the opportunity to fill his spacecraft for want of a better word with a bunch of interesting people again and have them interesting lives interacting and the pressures of having to be in a government agency that they can't talk about and all the rest of it. they had a whole ton of stuff they could have set up that would have been remotely interesting even if it was an x-files ripoff I would have preferred an x-files ripoff than what we ended up getting which was like bland it was like bland 80s saturday morning television I mean there were episodes of the a-team Oh well, no! Sorry, every episode of the A Team is better written than any episode of. Adrian waiting
0: for you to. I was waiting for you to bring up your A Team necrophilia. Go on.
2: I'm saying that the episodes <laughs> of the A Team, the characters, because everyone always goes on, oh, but every week the same thing happens. That is just ridiculous. The characters in the... Because like you say, it's network television. Of course, every week, the same shit happens. Every week at the end, the bad guy is foiled, and, you know, everyone has a post-foilage happy moment, and then the credits roll. That's network television. That is... I'm accepting that. I'm not even, I'm not even using that as a critical standpoint. I would, it's not the plots of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I really have too much of a problem with. In the A-Team, the characters were well-drawn... Well written. I know people don't believe me. I know they think I'm just some sort of fanboy with nostalgia, roast tinted glasses. Go back, get your DVD box sets, watch the A-Team again. Just really good characters, really good scripts, really good ideas, really good spoofs. There's lots of great stuff going on in that series. Far better than anything Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has managed to muster even yet. And I'm not hearing anything on the grapevine
0: that says the episodes are getting any better. So, Well, okay, let me tell you now. The episodes are definitely getting better.
1: How?
2: You just said that the last one was a generic case in point, like running around doing questy things with a Thor tie-in. Well, there's still
0: fetch quests, but see, uh, what they've got is they've got everyone's character development on the slowest drip possible. Because the other show that Jeff Loeb used to work on uh, was Lost. Uh, Oh, it's
2: another piece of shit program.
0: Gives you another indication, <laughs> and and he's doing, I completely agree, and he's doing, because uh, they're doing the same thing uh, that Lost was unfortunately prone to do, which is uh, set up a reveal that uh, is revealed to be the setup for another reveal, because that way you keep people coming back every week. No, that's the Simpleton's
2: way of keeping people coming back every week. Of course. If you write a good character, people come back every week because they just want to watch those characters sit around and discuss baseball or something. They don't give a fuck what the characters are doing because they're good characters. It's not about like, oh, he's got a secret hat that he keeps in the bottom of his wardrobe that's covered in magical things or whatever. Nobody gives a shit. It's about the characters, characters, characters.
0: Yes, I completely agree. But but here, we, and yet, here we are, yes, uh, we'll so yes, uh, we are uh, which is why I hate uh, even talking about TV shows that uh, who's that have not completed their runs yet, um, because really,, uh, yeah, I got nothing because I got no idea where any of this is going or how any of it will be important or how any of it will turn out because it 's not. The thing about the 80s was, um, and the thing about uh, shitty cop shows now is that because they're still running on this formula, is that they would just try to get enough episodes out to get to syndication where you could really make your money. Um, but now everyone's buying DVDs. And uh, what you do if you know for a fact that you are guaranteed sell through on the DVD market is you make the entire season, um, you know, one story split into however many acts. They're probably going to wind up with like 12 or maybe 24. Um, And if it's 24, then God help me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think the problem was is one of the reasons... Take a break and watch Batman movies in between. Yeah.
2: One Uh, one of the reasons I was watching at all...
0: Because I really didn't have that much interest in it, but one of the reasons... I was going to ask, yeah, because this this show is for uh, nerds, uh, Marvel nerds specifically. Is it though? What, what What Marvel nerdy thing is in it? All of them. Every yeah. single fucking bit. So there's um, a
2: Marvel comic book full of uninteresting,
0: bland, two-dimensional, shitty characters. Like, all of them, at one point or another. What? You, you, these things have to be on the shelves every month. You think everything? No. I'm sorry if I've given you the impression that it's all shiny goodness, but, but no, no. No, I'm saying uh, that there's, law there's... very much applies. So, yeah, 90% of it uh, is crap, and that can rise to 98% on a bad month. But, those, like doing, but there was like, a, a Marvel... Crossover. There's a Marvel comic book about these agents of Shield. Not these specifically. Most of them are new creations. Uh, But yes, Shield itself was a actual series for quite some time. I know Shield existed, but okay. But Uh, they would do. The problem was, though, it was usually centered around Nick Fury, and and you can't, you're not going to lure him back to television now.
2: (laughs) Well, he did. Sam Jackson did do a brief cameo in one of the episodes, but.
0: Episode two, in fact, that's to, right. that that was to keep all the all the movie people, um, you know, nice and calm that, yes. But what, okay, But what's the
2: geeky thing in it? What, what is the, What be- is the geeky thing in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that is based on like comic
0: book nostalgia? What's the geeky thing in it? Oh God, uh, the, well, all of, the fetch, all of the fetch quest items are in one way or another related to the Marvel Universe, either current or former. Um, Extremis showed up in episode one, uh, which is a direct tie into Iron Man 3. Uh, episode five, I think it was, was the origin of a villain who's uh, usually named Graviton. Um, but it was, and it was pretty consistent with previous incarnations. Um, The guy who got sucked into the black hole, the black hole thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's him. Uh, He's going to pop back out at some point. Uh, All of their secret bases are drawn directly from the comics, including most of the supporting cast, like Maria Hill showed up, um, and she's in there. Uh, The last one, uh, the last episode, uh, God, it's just... (sighs) The entire universe is is seeping you can feel it like seeping around the cracks of this uh, of the and and the strictures of, of Disney owned network television. But you, you see get, you keep I it's see like I think that blob the blob oozing in through the walls. But I I,
2: I honestly have to say, man, I, while I while I understand and I understand like the Disney network television uh, and, you, and you
0: talk about you talk about them not being at all subtle with with Phil Coulson's um, whatever his you know secret may be. Uh, I'll tell you right now that a major component of Shield are uh, false implanted memories, um, various kinds of duplicates, both biological and technological, and and all kinds of of fun um, spy fi bullshit. They, they, S.H.I.E.L.D. really likes no, no, to I've, mess dude, with its agents' just, heads. If you thought the dollhouse was, was creepy and, and weird, then I'm, I'm waiting for them to get real deep into this and really start. Um, Wait,
2: but this is what I'm trying to say is that I, I think, and I understand, look, it hasn't had a whole first season yet and so on, but I'm not the only one saying this. People are turning off in droves. So I'm just, the, the reason why I was watching was uh, twofold. Sorry? Yes, please. Tell me. Yeah. Well, I was first of all, I was watching it because I was like, okay, shit, I'm invested in this now. I've seen all the movies, and I've seen the Avengers, and Avengers 2 is going to come out. And, like, you know, A- Agent Colson is back, so he's probably going to start cropping up in the movies again at some point. And I've got to be, like, along for the ride. I've got to find out, like, what the storyline is, and I want to know what's going on, and blah, 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 blah. And I understand there's going to be weekly episodes, and I know that they're not going to get so in-depth in the, in the mythology of it that it's going to... Um, you know, make people turn off or confuse people or whatever like that. But I thought that there would be bits and bobs I would need to pick up throughout the, the show. So, uh, that interested me. I also wanted to know how like agent Colson came back. Uh, I wanted to know all about that and, you know, and I wanted to see seriously what Whedon and, or other writers, producers and so on could do with the concept week in, week out. And, while I take everything on board and I'm not like a fan of Disney or a fan of, you know, corporate made television or anything like that. I honestly don't think with having seen the episodes I've seen and I, I honestly don't believe that is this program's problem. I don't, I can't like get up in arms that it's because it's on a sappy, wet, unimaginative channel like ABC I don't think that's the... If that was the problem, I'd be like, "Ah, okay, they've neutered it because of the fuck... Like, I would see genius in there, but I would see it being neutered by, like, shitty product placement and, you know, fucking pointless tie-ins and all the rest of it. And while there is, you know, the occasional pointless tie-in, mostly I don't see how with the success of the Marvel movies... Any network, no matter how fucking prissy and shitty, is is going to not give them at least some rope to hang themselves with in order to make a, a half-decent show that's going to keep people coming back every week. I've got to believe if Whedon managed to get his fucking brother and sister-in-law on the fucking main production writing team staff that someone somewhere has some clout that isn't fucking Disney. Because you're not telling me Disney are like, yeah, we'll take these tried and untested brother and sister team of the fucking Joss Whedon guy just because. So somewhere along the line. No, not just
0: because. because No, not just because. Because because, he made them a billion dollars last year. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. They're so going to tell him no.
2: <laughs> but this is my point. This is my whole point. If network TV was fucking this show up, I would be in agreement. But I don't think it is. I think network TV has given this show as much of a fucking leeway and freedom as as almost any show because they made them a billion dollars last year. And I think that the problem with what they've done is instead of going ahead and making what could have been either, uh, you know the Buffy of the Marvel Universe or even the Firefly of the Marvel Universe or hell, fucking the Dollhouse of the Marvel Universe, which would have been fucking amazing, or some amalgam of all three. Instead of doing that while still maintaining all your geeky stuff about, like, the bases and the items and the things, because let's be fair, he's not above doing you know, MacGuffins, Buffy is full with like the amulet of this and the rock of that and the stone of the other, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you can maintain all that stuff. That doesn't matter. It, the problem with the show is the writing, the writing, the writing number one, two, and three and fourth on the list, the cast, the cast are fucking abysmal. They're one of the worst casts on television. And I don't understand when you've got, high-end actors in almost every other TV show, uh, you know, acting their little socks off. And you spit and you can hit a TV show on every fucking channel from generic bullshit uh, network right through to interesting, dark, twisty Tony Cable, or supposedly, even though it's never is. And it's filled with what either was the A-list of the 80s and 90s or even the fucking A-list of now, fucking... Um, a dude who was Dread and is in Star Trek has just started a new show. Carl Urban, or whatever his name is. Yes. So, yes, like, he's yes. a relatively A list actor in big blockbuster, blockbuster movies, and he's doing a new fucking network show. So, you know, I don't understand, right? The cast is shitty and the writing is shitty. There's no reason why either of these two things should be so. And that's where I, I don't
0: understand. Well, and I can't help you because I completely disagree with you. So. So you think the writing's is good on the show? I wouldn't say good. I'd say acceptable. What's Could your be favorite character? I've seen a lot worse. Um, at this point... What what kind of facile I don't trust any of them. What? They're all hiding something. What no no, the, no no no. What no, kind no, no. of facile bullshitty entertainment weekly question is that? What's your favorite character? Well, hang, on second, hang
2: on a second. Hang on a second. Uh, I didn't ask if they were, I didn't ask if they were hiding anything. You can still have a a character you like. No, my, my point f- my point of the question was my point of the question was I don't <laughs> believe there are any decent characters in it. So if I ask you like, okay, what's the character you're look, when you watch a TV show, especially an ensemble show,
0: you start? Right now, now it'd be right now it'd be uh, Melinda May because because her uh, her actress can can um, have an entire dialogue scene with just her eyebrows. Are you talking about hot. the the Asian pilot? Yes, her name her name is May, and, and I, I actually remember them. They would be yes, and that would be followed closely by Coulson, um, whom I think works pretty perfectly well as Team Dad. Uh, they
2: they, they are the only two that I would even give the time of day to, so that I would agree
0: with. He is, uh, in his post-death state, a part from all his baggage. He is also team idealist. He is the one who does not uh, want to uh, go in with, you know, who does not want to end every situation with an explosion and a dead body. And he has repeatedly uh, gone out of his way and put himself in great personal jeopardy to ensure that over and over again. I like that about him. And indeed, that's a trait that holds through with all of the agents that he surrounds himself with in eight episodes at least uh, everyone has gotten at least one chance to throw themselves on some kind of grenade or another Um, Simmons half of the European Wonder Twins uh, threw herself out of an airplane last episode specifically because of that Um, so there's your cheesy 80s action thing there it was bullshit CGI though so you'd hate it I'm sure let's see shit i even like uh audience identification characters sky and then she is by far uh the most annoying uh of of them all but, but no, she's no, that got
2: goes the, to a handsome generic action man character that goes to him grant it's, it's, uh, I, see I, I thought you'd
0: love grant because why would he's just i love Grant? Of, he can't act just, his way out of a wet pair of pants oh i was gonna say something awful but no i'm not so okay um yeah so there yeah. isn't
2: there an a lick apart from the two adult ones what i would call the two adult ones which is colson <laughs> and may apart from those two
0: it's true. They are and
2: and Colson, yeah. because he has familiarity from the movies and I happen to like Clark Gregg just as a person, so even though I don't think he's particularly good on the show or written very well, I would give him the time of day. And May, because she's like the generic I've got the right face for this so I can be stoic and uh, squint my eyes and you know and, and sort of exude some level of charisma, even though I imagine that's just the way her face is. But beyond that None of the other characters or, or actors have any charisma, opinions I care about, senses of humor even. Um, I mean, there's there's nothing. They're all milk saps. They're all they're, – it's all nothing. It's all just vacant space taken up clothes. It's, it's really um, – yeah. And even when they did have, like, interesting people on, like, Ian Hart and stuff uh, –
0: you know... You missed, you missed Peter McNichol. He that was...
2: Yeah, I know he was. I, that, uh, I've got it recorded. I might watch it. But that you know, Ian Hart was reduced to uh, a fucking scene where they're running up and down on the ceiling and the walls and everything. Uh, rather than, you know, and he's trying to expound, like, his theory and philosophy or whatever, but you know, it, I'm glad it got sucked into a black hole because that's where the dialogue belonged because it was terrible. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. No, I'm sorry I feel that way. I'm I'm genuine. I I actually love these Marvel movies with actual passion and 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 movie fandom. And considering they're not making very many good movies nowadays, the fact that we get an Iron Man three and a Thor two and some other stuff coming out warms my heart and makes me happy. And I like the characters, I like the actors. I like the writing. I like almost everything on these movies. And I even liked ones that people didn't like as much. I liked the first Thor, I liked the first Captain America, and so on. I I wanted to like Agents of Shield, fucking through the roof and out the window. I had you know I wanted to, I wanted to geek out on that shit every week. I you know it, the the sets could have been flimsy, the plots could have been generic, but just make them say something decent occasionally. And we don't even get that. And the actors are no good. And it just it's a problem and it's not a problem because of the usual reasons it's 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 a it's a, a i would have expected far more for, you know we didn't in far in terms of tv for me has not put a foot wrong i've liked everything he's done in tv even the shitty episodes of buffy even the first series of buffy i love him, and um you know even some of the fucking trite generic twists and turns that angel took they all wrapped up in the end to be something that had a mission statement and had something interesting going on. And even though David Boreanaz is a big hunk of ham that just sort of wanders around bumping into furniture, I still like that show.
0: Hell uh, but, yes. No, yeah, you never, yeah, you ain't never saying an unkind word about McCoy. But, you know, he's, <laughs> you know... There Unless you're a, there talking about bones. Case, you can talk shit about bones all you want.
2: There is a case in point of an absolutely mediocre, average... Actor being buoyed by fantastic plots, fantastic scripts, and a yeah, great, great supporting cast. Yeah, nothing that Marvel have, Agents of Shield has, sadly. Sadly, I mean, I'm, I, I wish it did. Anyway, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just, it's just my opinion, dude. And I'm glad you are still hanging in there for all us sinners, and, um, and hopefully, you'll report back from the front line. You know five or six weeks from now, and you'll report back and you'll say, well, ha-ha, the laugh is on you because they just broadcast the best fucking episode ever of TV ever, and you missed it because you slinked off after only six or seven episodes, and it's all your fault. We'll see.
0: I'll let you know in like 14 weeks or so. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I stuck with lost 13 episodes till I gave up because I realized that the writers couldn't write. Um, So uh, it only took me six or seven to bail on S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, we'll wait and see. I might dip back in later on in the series. Yeah, um,
0: well, I'll let you know. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not seeing anything
2: compelling online from fanboys or even from critics that's saying that I should... Well, you're not going to see anything
0: compelling from
2: fanboys. (laughs) No, no, no. Occasionally, occasionally, like, people... Look, if you look at things like... um, uh, Breaking Bad or Mammon or any of those shows, or even which for I don't, sake, but okay. or <laughs> Dexter, which became hugely mm. fan popular or fuck okay, it, or fuck it even fringe that became massively fan thing I saw positive you know singing the praises reviews of those let's be fair niche fan favorite fanboy geek shows and I saw it on podcasts, I saw it on blogs, I saw it on Twitter, I saw it on Facebook.
0: I'm not seeing that for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, you're looking in the wrong place, then. Uh, I'll, I should hook you up with some of my people. Okay, because um, all so I'm hearing is people kind ignore of... ignore
2: <laughs> Okay, uh, but I'm... I, no, 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 I don't ignore people. I'm like, I always, <laughs> just
0: kidding. I'm just giving you shit. Uh,
2: most of the people that I b- b- follow or look at or pass through my transom are kind of going, eh, eh. I'll stick with it if nothing else is on. But, meh. But then, you know, I watched... I wanted to see the James Spader starring Blacklist watched because it's... I liked 20... I know you referenced 24 earlier. I actually liked 24. Um, There was huge things wrong with it that I didn't like, but I loved loved the diehard TV show aspect of it. I liked the (laughs) gruff guy with a gun going after terrorists. The fact that it was 24 episodes couldn't be sustained like that was a mistake but anyway uh i want to see the blacklist it, it was like set up to be kind of hannibal meets 24 and i was like i can be down with that hannibal Lecter meets 24 that sounds great uh, with my boy james spader what could go wrong that's got to be a good show.
0: Jo- famous last an
2: episode and a half in i'm like what is this show this is the worst written I mean, it was like that was a double whammy with with Agents of Shield. I was just like, oh my god, the two shows I was looking forward to, I wow, uh, I'm more excited about, and I'm not even kidding, I'm more excited about the second series of Elementary than I am about fucking these two shows. So, and
0: I take this as another uh, confirmation of my stance to never get excited for anything. <laughs>
2: I will resolutely stand negative and de- depressed until something wows me.
0: Yeah, that makes Do, sense. Do, because, because uh, the, the thing about it is it, it allows more things to wow you. And if things turn out sucky, you get to feel smug and superior. I know, but there's still
2: a four-year-old boy in front of me. You, this, is a good, this is a good thing. I don't know if you had it over here. You probably did. In fact, you probably had it on a much larger scale than we did. But there was when we were growing up, there would be like toy adverts in which the toys they were showing, be them transformers or Barbie dolls or whatever, the four fucking playmobile figures, whatever it was, were shown to be like exciting and alive. And there would be laser lights and noises and blah, 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 blah. And of course, oh, hell yeah.
0: We T- would, Oh, tons. tons. This
4: was in the
2: commercials. And we would avoid the very fine print that said like noises and laser lights, not included in the toy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> We would watch those things. We'd be like, oh, I've got to get that for Christmas. I have that for Christmas. I have that for Christmas. And Christmas would come. You would get the toy. You'd open it. You'd tear all the wrapping off and blah, 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 blah. You'd be all excited. Your little heart would fill with with joy. You would play with it for maybe five minutes before you realised it was a hunch of badly painted plastic that did nothing and was irrelevant. And then you realised that everything that you'd grown up to believe in was a lie. Well... I still have that five-year-old boy in me that when I see a commercial or I see a trailer or I see something that even piques my interest a little bit, I'm like, oh, goody, 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 that's coming.
0: So I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. All that tells me is that that, y- is that uh, your inner child was not uh, choked to death on uh, – <laughs> Nintendo uh, Entertainment System games and a no. steady slew of the shitty ones, particularly from 1992 to 96, the SNES era. It, it had some, yeah, it had some crap. Ugh. I didn't
2: play my first... Well, no. I used to play mm, Sega Master System, we used to call Much it.
0: Much better choice. Well, uh, let me tell you. I used to play course. that around my
2: friend's house, but that was infrequent. And then I didn't get my own game console till I was like in my <laughs> mid
0: twenties. <laughs> 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 and see, see, we see if you were uh, if you were uh, one of those unfortunate children like I was that got the N64 in 1991 when it was new. Right you got one game a year at Christmas, so and if you picked a lemon, you were stuck with it right and and so, yes, I learned good and early uh to um, never trust hype uh at all uh, ever um because it would inevitably lead to complete and utter disappointment and Really, it seems like I'm – for the longest time, I just thought that was how everybody lived. But now I grow up and and I find out that, no, we all seem to have grown up with these images in our heads of, of, uh, you know, these idealistic images of these things. You know, we're not the products of corporations out to fleece us for every last red cent that we have.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I just saw Agent Coulson. This is and-
0: why I don't watch. This is why I don't watch commercials. And, and this is why I haven't been all that broken up to um, having been absorbed in moving these last three weeks and so not being able to tune in to my usual channels. Of, yes, indeed. Of fan-bitching and moaning. <laughs> <this> <laughs> you see, now that's, that doesn't even fucking matter, Jesus Christ. That's
2: one thing I don't engage in anymore. I, the one thing that I have cut... I still get excited about stuff, but the one thing that I have cut completely out of my life is fan-bitching and moaning. <laughs> um which is funny because what i do essentially is fan bitching and moaning but what
0: i don't do in, i would argue with that sir i would think you do so much more but thank that's you just, thank you very much
2: um but i you know i don't go on message i board. troll
0: youtube i know fan bitching and moaning and you sir do, do you engage in a much higher form than that i would dare to call it actual criticism but i know you bristle at yes the,
2: i would A suggestion. I I like to call it a conversation between friends. That's what I like to call it. If I wasn't doing this on a podcast, I would be down a pub somewhere with a like-minded individual putting the world to rights (laughs) over whatever the latest fucking thing was. And all I do now is I record those conversations and put them out there for everyone to see. That's what I do. uh, In a very basic, down-to-earth, men-in-a-bar type way. Um, That's why we love you, man. All right. so before we uh, march on to Thor 2, we have a comment from your favorite listener and mine, Philip O'Neill.
0: Oh, hey! Yeah, yes, hell, yeah. Uh, fitting, no? Actual, indeed. Uh, it's comments from Sweden. So, what yes, do we got?
2: Yes, indeed, uh, Philip O'Neill. Philip O'Neill. Uh, he has a little jingle on the show. Um, anyway, <laughs> his Good. comment says: While I enjoyed Iron Man three. I kind of wish Shane Black hadn't actually made that film considering all the hatred he has received from fanboys. Well, not here on this show, but, sir, are you aware of such hatred? I'm, I'm, am I aware?
0: <laughs> I'll take that as a no. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. No. What do you think every... um. Iron Man fan uh, was talking about when they when they came out of the show. Oh God, uh, Shane. Yes, the uh, it, it, sh- yeah. To some, in some quarters, and and I know your mantra on this show is that no one's opinion is wrong, and and if that's true, then then that means we have to respect the people who walked out of Iron Man three feeling it was a complete bastardization and betrayal. Uh, of uh, their favorite Iron Man, of well, of their favorite Iron Man villain in particular, and of the entirety of, of Iron Man's character in particular, um, just because.
2: Yeah, I know. The whole uh, Mandarin thing and uh, the whole Tony not being in the suit thing. And just the whole shame. And he specifically of it.
0: he specifically chooses his girlfriend over the suit at the end, and gives her a, you know, makes it a big production number, you know, blowing them all up, a Christmas present, and and you know, it's like it, 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 people just have uh, different priorities, I guess is how I sh- the diplomatic way to phrase it. Um, you know, some people are looking for complete restorations of the status quo uh, with every entry, and some are willing to look past you know individual changes to yeah. source material. Yeah, and the, the little same people. Pe- yeah,
2: the same people probably were praising Christopher Nolan for waiting, like, for saying eight years later at the beginning of Dark Knight Rises and not explaining anything at all and just having no him act- actually around. no
0: no. Actually, no, they weren't. They those same people are are firmly in your camp on that, and and they yeah they stopped giving the movie the time of day before it even came out um, because Anne Hathaway uh, wasn't hot enough to be Catwoman.
2: Right. Well, th- those. T- <sighs> Those people are idiotic. I mean, <laughs> that's not... I, I mean, know. They, they're not... Like, their opi- like them having an opinion is absolutely fine. That's what I mean by no opinion is right. They, they can have whatever opinion they like. It doesn't mean that uh, it's not, you know, without any merit and, and, uh, and completely idiotic. Um, my, my point was, snide point, and you were probably right to jump on me about it, but my snide point was is that fanboys tend to be notoriously fickle and tend to hate one thing, but then like something else that doesn't make any sense that they like that and hate this other thing is why that was my point. Um, Whereas I, I have occasions of that because I'm a human being and obviously we're not all fucking uh, like straight and narrow or focused, but my opinions on stuff tend to be based on the same, criteria rightly or wrongly um although i still give shit a pass that if they if it was done by someone else i would be up in arms
0: about it but uh, indeed you have pushed movies in front of the in front of a train that that were um <laughs> that were <laughs> better put together than iron man 3 um, but but that's but so have i you know, it's, name
2: name uh, one which which movie have I pushed in front of a train that I was better put together than Iron
0: Man Three? I don't know. I, <laughs> shit. <laughs> How I'm, many episodes have you done now? This shit. will be the hundred and third episode. Oh, awesome! That's yeah, nice uneven number. I like but
2: that. I have to. But I have to say, I I don't think that's the case. I mean, you know, someone could argue. Well, you know, Man of Steel was. Blah, blah, blah. And, and they might. Yes, I they, could, but they, I'm not going to. Right. But it would be a fool's errand because they'd be wrong. So. Yes, <laughs> I'm exactly. Kidding. I'm kidding. To my
0: opinion, they'd be wrong. To their Indeed, opinion, they'd yes, be Yes, right. and in my opinion, Jarrell was right. You're a pack of fools, every right. last one of you.
2: Yes. Uh, <laughs> I live quite happily with the knowledge that the m- human beings. Uh, in, in all their broad and wonderful strokes are a bunch of muling idiots. And I put myself in firmly in that camp. I myself am a lank haired muling idiot as well. Uh, and I have no idea what I'm doing or what I'm saying 99.9% of the time. So, uh, that is why I don't get too head up that people have differing opinions to me. In fact, it was very funny. I forget what conversation was I having the other day with someone? I think it was on Twitter. And someone said, oh, and I didn't mean to offend you. And I was like, dude, we're talking about James Bond movies. Why would anything you say be offensive? You know what I mean? Yeah, Uh, because
0: people are so goddamn sensitive these days. We have no identities. And so we latch on to whatever thing comes down the pipeline. And if people... You know, start talking shit about it. We we tend to take it personally because we ain't got nothing else going on. I, I took stupid lives. I took the
2: evil dead thing personally, but that wasn't because of any fanboy opinion. That was because of something that Bruce Campbell did and Sam Raimi did directly. Uh, and I feel like I can take offense at artists I once admired letting me down. I feel like that's fine. I feel like if a fanboy came at me and went, no, no, man, Evil Dead is the greatest thing, the remake is the greatest thing ever, I wouldn't get offended by them saying that. That's the difference. Do you know what I mean? I do.
0: I get what you're saying. Yeah,
2: totally. So anyway... Uh, not dwelling on
0: that. Let us move forward, although I do always... Yeah, fuck I, fanboys. I, I, no, no,
2: I don't mean it like that. I
0: do always enjoy No, dinner. I do, though. I do. This okay. is me speaking. My opinions do not necessarily reflect those of the After Movie Diner of or any not. of its affiliates. Um, but <laughs> of many, as many affiliates. Say, all, as you say, all of, everybody's got one, right? And so in my opinion, yeah, fuck fanboys. Every last one of them. Fair enough. Uh, then then
2: I will uh, I will happily side with that because I couldn't care either way. But, uh, <laughs> and with that, I want you to talk all about Thor 2.
5: Some believe that before the universe, there was nothing. They're wrong. There was darkness. And it has survived. I gave you my word. I would return.
3: What's gonna happen? Hold on. Wait, what?
1: for a reason
5: if we do nothing they'll destroy us ask yourself what will you sacrifice for what you believe Be truly desperate to come to me for help. You should know that when you betray me, I will kill you. When do we start?
2: Well, I'm going to give the floor to you, so I want to hear all about it.
0: Thor the Dark Behind.
2: Um, <laughs> we already agreed. It's called Loki of Darkness.
0: <laughs> yes. No, because I. Ugh! if we can just get away from... The, the word dark, uh, okay. honestly, if we could just, just hey. banish that from...
2: It's your uh, fucking boy, Nolan, who started it, dude. Don't get so...
0: Oh, yeah, you're going to blame him for yes, everyone chasing him. after that billion-dollar prize? Okay, uh, instead of, like, all the people who are trying to suck his style? Like, there's plenty of blame to go around. I blame J.J. Abrams, I blame... Uh, Kevin Feige, in this case, um, I, shit, it's, yeah, it's the whole complex of them, really, uh, it's, it's groupthink, is what it is, and I, going in, I, I feared the, that, that I would catch the whiff of groupthink coming off of Thor 2, which I'm just gonna call Thor 2, because it's not as stupid, um. Because, you know, for one thing... uh, Oh, you
2: thought they were going to, like, gritty Thor up a bit? Is that what you thought they were going to try and do?
0: Superficially, yes. Well, Um, it's all superficial, because none of it's really dark and gritty. But anyway. Well, yeah. Well, and that's usually what, what, you know, what things mean by adding the prefix dark to something. But no, in this case, they literally do mean the dark world, because this is Thor, and there is one. Uh, Sportholheim. I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but it doesn't then again, matter. nobody. Yeah, nobody even tries in in the film. <laughs> I noticed <laughs> no <laughs> not at all. Not like, even there's not one... even Anthony Hopkins, right? And if, no. and if anybody could could make could could make that sound good in a human mouth, you'd think it'd be Sir. Tony Hopkins. So there's but, that
2: great bit where they're on the balcony and he comes back and he says, So other the worlds at peace or whatever? And he's a gen. He goes, Like, even Wiffleheim or whatever it's called. And, and like he mumbles it because he knows he can't pronounce it. He goes, what? Even
0: Fernheim? Uh, like, <laughs> it's even done yeah. like that. Like, nobody can be bothered. <laughs> well, but see, at the same time, though, Stellan Skarsgård is right the fuck over there. You could just ask him. I right. mean, But he's running
2: around Stonehenge naked.
0: (laughs) Nobody knows who they were or what they were doing. Yeah, I think
2: he was running around Stonehenge naked having escaped off the set of Lars von Trier's Nymphomaniac.
0: Trier's latest film, yes! That's what I think.
2: He's gone, no more Shia LaBeouf! Like, Shia LaBeouf has driven him mental, and he's run away, and he's found himself. I believe this is an unofficial sequel to Nymphomaniac. That's what I believe. Mm.
0: That would be so awesome, uh, if nothing else, because it would it would force all of the the Marvel fanboys to rush out and and watch *Nymphomaniac*, and and I'm sure I could hear their heads explode in a giant cascade reaction that travels across the land. Seismographs would pick it up, like, everywhere.
2: Like the Mars attacks aliens when coming confronted with country and Western music.
0: Exactly like that. It'd just be pop, you know, except with no glass bowls, so it'd spray out everywhere. Oh, God, yeah. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. (laughs) Although I hate uh,
2: to say it, I think my brain will do that if I ever see Nymphomaniac, because I I don't particularly like
0: Von Trier's movies. Anyway, move on. Right, because, but yes, moving on. So I was worried about, I was really, again, I was really worried about Thor 2 going in because I didn't know where the hell they'd go. They used the standard uh, superhero sequel plot in the first movie. So, you know, what the hell? The uh, thing I hoped they do, which to my mind was the only reasonable thing they could do, which is actually uh, expand... The, the fucking uh, scope of things. Cause we've been through the Asgard one oh one lecture. That was Thor one. And so now we can just hit the ground running and 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 fucking go for it. And of course this is Hollywood now, so going for it means kind of beginning with the Lord of the Rings ripoff. And so as I as I was watching, you know, uh, golden-armored Caucasian-looking dudes square off against pointy-eared, you know, motherfuckers with, with you know, charcoal complexions. I was like, oh, okay, uh, uh-huh, okay, Hey, here we go, you know, as we mean to go on. Um, but thankfully, the movie uh, quickly turned itself around and uh, proceeded to be... Almost the uh, interdimensional action adventure fantasy romp that I expected Thor one to be. So I feel kind of like the same way I felt with Iron Man three, which is also why I was kind of happy that we're doing these together. Um, it's like, well, great guys, you're only like two years late, but better late than never. Shit, uh, I'll take what I'll take what I can get. Hey, um, man, let's look at this. Put it this way. You've got to see more of your girl Sif. Indeed. It's about fucking time. Not enough, though, of course. Well, never enough. They need their own fucking movie. But. Right, because, but see, this is, uh, so this would be problem one.
2: Is, well, no, uh, I think problem one is lack of Ray Stevenson. I think, I think Sif, <laughs> Sif is all very well, but Ray Stevenson's where it's at. That's what I'm
0: saying. I'll give you that. Uh, really, all of the Warriors. Three uh, and Sif and shit. Even uh, even Thor's mom. She should have had hell of a lot more to do, considering what happened. Spoiler alert. Right. Uh, yeah. It's just it, it, they. Okay. The problem one is they did this is the same problem the first movie had. Is they they come up with this entire supporting cast, two universes worth of them. In fact. And give them fuck all to do, uh, so that we can focus on the uh, what I call the Odin Sun show. You know the the, the Loki Thor adventure uh, half hour. Um, the because because the ladies and the gentlemen of a certain persuasion, you know, they just love a god of lies. And yeah, uh, it, it's for whatever reason. I mean, I get it. I mean, Hiddleston's. Probably the like second or third best actor in the cast, but, but y- y- yeah, and uh, not not to say that I didn't enjoy the hell out of the Odin Sun show, uh, and I like the fact that it uh, ends the movie. It's kind of like the sub climax, and uh, the even the even the twists they put on Loki's sudden but inevitable betrayal were were enough to pleasantly surprise me. I didn't expect. Any um, you know uh, any severed limbs in in a Marvel movie? That was nice. I liked that. That was a nice surprise. Uh, Even if they were fake, (laughs) right? It's good to get it. Um, so you know that problem one is somewhat ameliorated, uh, except for every time we get to Earth, and and I'm like, oh god, we're back here. We are again, but we have Um, more Dennings. Yeah, but she's still playing the same character. She's better in this one. I'll give you that. Um, she's not just, uh, stating the obvious. Um... (laughs) The weirdest thing is,
2: I have to say the weirdest thing is, unless he turns out to be a major villain because he was spurned Natalie Portman's love, what the hell was Chris O'Dowd doing in this movie? Like this dude is like headlining Judd Apatow rom-coms and suddenly he's cropping up in Thor 2 for a couple of comedic relief scenes? What I mean, what was that all about?
0: I have no idea. Does uh, he no, like, turn swear. up
2: later and go curses? I never got to date Portman, and suddenly turns into like an evil villain
0: or something. I mean, I would is, I would
2: be able to go with that,
0: but is I can no, I could not find a damn thing on him. His name is not recognizable. Is nobody I know? So no, uh, he's just there for odious comic relief, right. which is apparently all Earth is good for and gonna be good for in these Thor movies. Which is kind of unfortunate. Uh, I don't
2: know, dude. The destruction of Greenwich was pretty damn fucking spectacular. I know, right? I'm like, yeah, you fuck up that Royal Navy College, Thor. Yeah, although, although, can I point one thing out? And I know it's been pointed out a million times, but you cannot get from Charing Cross to Greenwich in two stops. Look <laughs> it up. Look it up. Why? Like, okay, let me ask in America: Is Charing Cross? so well-known a subway stop in London that it benefits from being in this movie? No, not at all. So if if it was... There's nothing. If it was... Let me even see what is near Greenwich. I don't know. I I can't even... I'm looking now on the wall uh, at at a London underground subway stop. Uh, (laughs) No, I have. I've got the map on my wall, and I'm looking to see... uh, you definitely can't get to fucking Greenwich from, from Charing Cross no, any way you cut it. I don't even know what they're talking about. But I don't know. If you said fucking Bermondsey or Tower Hill or Rother, Rotherhide or wherever, like any one of those names would be as meaningful or meaningless as fucking Charing Cross. You know what I mean? Although Anthony yes. Hopkins was in that... There is a Charing Cross, 84 Charing Cross or something... Isn't that a book or something? I think Anthony Hopkins was in.
0: Oh, God, that's a deep cut. That's too deep for me, and that's in the yes, wrong
2: direction. Uh, uh, 84 Charing Cross Road. Yes, 84 Charing Cross Road was a 1987 movie based on the 1970 book by Helene Hanf. Or Hanf, maybe, with Anne Bancroft and Anthony Hopkins and Judy Dench.
0: <laughs> wow. Quite the quite the heavy hitter that is.
2: So yeah. Eighty four Cross Crossroad, maybe it was some obscure nod to that, but even so I've no idea. I could totally buy that.
0: I'd buy <laughs> that a lot more than uh banking on the name recognition of obscure uh London Underground stops. Right. I mean, most of us we got we got fucking King's Cross and, and that and that's it. Uh, yeah, really, that's it. Uh yeah, it's, yeah, but 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 fuck all that. Uh, this climactic battle. No, don't um,
2: fuck all that. It's important. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, right,
0: <laughs> right, but okay. We, yeah, we all have our we all have our nitpicks. Um, my big one would be uh, problem three uh, with the whole thing, which is that they fucked uh, they fucked Malakath over completely. Malakath, the accursed. Right. Uh, once once again, our our villain plot is uh, completely the weakest link and and you know and and i get you know thor's uh, arc through all of this um yeah it's kind of annoying that he takes two movies to get what he took like six pages to get in most of his origin stories but okay you know at the at the end of the movie i'm like oh okay fine cool you know and and i the overall uh, experience was highly positive i just want to say that um uh, because, you know, at the end, we're, we're finally into some kind of a status quo that you could, you know, conceivably spin more shit out of. Uh, just instead of just like, you know, set up for an Avengers movie. Um, but at the same time, man, uh, they, I think they missed a, a golden opportunity. Um, especially since, why the fuck do you cast Christopher Eccleston? bury him under tons of makeup, and then give him nothing to do.
2: Well, because you're casting a superhero villain role. That's why you And you're
0: see, that's a horrible attitude to take. Heroes are defined by their villains. No, no, There's I, I agree. I'm, people like, I,
2: I'm saying that's what they do, though. I mean,
0: oh, I know, I know, I'm just saying and, and I'm saying that's a horrible fucking attitude to take, and it, and it, uh, it uh, betrays uh, you know a, a blind spot in their priorities list that, that might that's going to need to get fixed uh, sooner rather than later, because if, if we're just fighting generic uh, world conqueror number two two one five, it's going to get just just what I said, generic. Uh, the reason the World Conquerors are are cool is because they are generally the exception to the rule. But I've heard from many uh, screenwriters in many an interview that if, you're, if your movie costs more than $100 man, it's got to be world in peril states. Or, or they're not even going to – nobody's going to sign off on it, right? So I'm like, okay, we've got to – you've got to do something to differentiate these fuckers or – you know they're just gonna come off as bland, just just completely bland and and we'll have um well, from your perspective we'll have an agents of shield situation, except on the big screen. So yeah, I'm worried about the winter soldier myself personally after the streak they've had. I mean, Loki seems to be more uh more and more like a fluke of great casting. And, and decent direction than, than anything else. And, and the fact that he's, you know, you're standing next to Anthony Hopkins, you got to kind of like absorb something by osmosis. Shit. And
2: Ju- Justin Hammer could have been done a lot better
0: considering how good Sam Rockwell is. I mean, yeah. And, and, and Guy Pierce, damn it. Um, Guy Pierce uh, was pretty damn good. Honestly, he's personable, he's uh, enjoyable, you know, I, I his, giggle. His ugly,
2: his ugly makeup at the beginning of the movie is woefully poor. But apart from that, yeah, he, he did a pretty good
0: job. Yeah, once he's in there, once he's, you know, choking people and, and threatening their lives, I'm, I'm really into this guy, I'm with him, you know, I'm laughing at his fucking jokes and... I'm um, liking his grandiose speeches, but, but shit. You go from, and to go from that to Malekith, the accursed, is really a hell of a step down. I mean, the fucking, uh, that fucking one-armed orc in, in the Hobbit movie uh, did more for me than than this, this Joker. And I know who Malekith is, or at least who he has been and is currently. Um, but no, they, ju- they just... Uh, They fucked it up. And not because uh, they changed superficial details. It's because I don't even have enough detail to, like, make a decent comparison at all. I mean, he gets, like, one scene with Thor's mom where he calls her a witch. And that's like, it's... It's kind of like, eh. And and the ether uh, is... Yeah... Well, it's it's
2: it's generic, hokum, colorful object number two. In fact, they which even is, refer to it as such. I mean, they you know they dress it up and they give it a fancy name, which I know is based in Marvel lore the 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 six gems of something or the whatever the precious stones. or Infinity whatever. The, gems. Infinity gems. That's it. And I know that's based on an actual Marvel thing. But basically, yeah, you, will,
0: you will know it soon. Trust me. Well, yeah,
2: because they've got the collector at the end. But the the the, the spoiler number. Fifteen, But um, the, uh, at the end of the day, in terms of this movie, it's exactly what the Tesseract was in the Captain America 1 movie, which is generic, colourful, glowy object MacGuffin number two. That's all it that is.
0: And that's and again that's that's really unfortunate because the cosmic cube is uh, a hell of a lot more (laughs) than that. I love
2: you calling it the cosmic cube. Bring me the cosmic cube. It just sounds damn straight.
0: Bring me the cosmic cube. (laughs) It
2: sounds like like something out of Monty Python.
0: Uh, Well, uh, actually, uh, it's something out of nineteen sixties comics, like Thor. so, yeah, and guess what? you got to deal with it. Or at least I thought you'd have to deal with it, but no, they're content to uh, reduce all of their MacGuffins to even more uh, MacGuffin status than they already were. I mean, shit, do we even know what the Tesseract? Like, that's such a better name. Shit. Uh, well, we no, now they're going to
2: change it again and make it one of the fucking... D- Gems. Now it's one of the fucking collectible doodads,
0: right? Yeah, right. Um, I mean, we didn't even know. But see, that's fine because we didn't even know what the hell it did in the first place. In in Captain America, it it could um, y- make weapons somehow. Nah. In, They're in, all energy sources. That's right. In yeah, in the Avengers, it can make uh, energy. Except and and the, and the ether though. The ether though. Um, we're told it can like. Uh, it converts matter into dark matter which is an interesting idea so immediately i have this vision in my head of this like black-eyed fiery-veined natalie portman just smiting her enemies with gravity powers You know, just, just like, staring at a motherfucker and and trapping them in, like, this little bubble of Jupiter gravity and, like, pulverizing them into paste and and just, yeah. Um, But it was not to be, sadly. But this
2: this is a movie that contains (laughs) glowy rock thing, that when the uh, evil beastie holds the glowy rock thing, he is impervious to everything, um, yeah. <laughs> even though that's not explained at any point at all. It's just the glowy rock thing that when you hold it, you become the last whatever the
0: name of that beastie was. You become the, the cursed. last cursed. Blah. Just the cursed, right? Okay. Which is weird, yeah, and confusing because that's supposed to be uh, – that's one of Malaketh's names. He is Malaketh, the Accursed uh, because he's the last ruler of a more or less destroyed people who right. – Shit! They can't reproduce worth of crap. They're like what uh, a sh- you know a floaty ship's worth of you, you, they're they're the Romulans in the Star Trek reboots, what right? No, no, that's exactly what they are.
2: But what <laughs> I don't un- what I don't understand is when he crashes when he crashes all the spaceships at the beginning of the movie and kills all his people, there seems to only be him and his horned beastie friend left. Yet when they show up again in the future. There's a whole spaceship full of them, but I have to say I loved their Doctor Who villain-esque like masks. That was awesome. They're slightly like, yeah, they're kind of like slightly. Well, they had dead eyes with the slightly round, white, plasticky-looking faces. They had a real nice uh, seventies BBC quality to them that I really dug.
0: And yeah, I dug dug them too. For all my Whovians out there. Right, Uh, and I dug them too for the the general design sense of, of the whole movie. I mean, shit, Asgard looks a hell of a lot better than it did. It looks like people actually live there. Um, and I liked, I liked the Dark Elves, uh, ship. I, although I even. They're
2: able to rebuild everything extraordinarily quickly, although I still haven't quite figured out that ending, so maybe they didn't, I don't
0: know. Right, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, uh, they, um, I liked the design sense of the Dark Elves, um, shit. I even kind of liked, uh, Sparthelheim as, as a realm. It's, you know, as usual, not really dark enough to be the dark dimension, but that's kind of just a tick. I, have.
2: I think it was, I mean, it was as monochromatic as they're going to make it in a big sort of whiz bangery type world. I mean, it's, you know, there's like yeah, black-gray sand that they're rolling about on. There's not a lot of yeah. stuff going on there. Dark I mean, caves.
0: Yeah, the sun is kind of wan and And, and it light. gets great cell coverage. Yeah, the whole, <laughs> yeah, it, it, the whole thing looks like, <laughs> well, at least like in that one cave. Right, that's the only place you'd get a fucking signal because that's where the doorway to no, no, I know. Uh, Just possibly the
2: doorway to another world.
0: Uh, yes, exactly. And I, I liked the I liked the haunted house, um, the or the haunted parking garage there, which is the doorway. I, I it, it it the
2: the the, the thing with Thor two is the thing with Thor two that I have to be very very clear on. Is you could, like, there are two ways to watch this movie. You could watch this movie and very easily hate the fuck out of all of it, right? Because there's a bunch of stuff that isn't explained. There's a bunch of glowing rocks and funny beasties. And, you know, it suffers from all the things that I have a problem with in what what they call pure fantasy. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, stuff like that. Stuff that is... Fantastic.
0: We, we actually call it high fantasy. But high yes, fantasy, yeah. whatever
2: you want to call it. Right. Uh, that is what I like to say, and I don't want to get too deep into this again, but funny people with funny names going to funny places doing funny things. In other words, it's Rathmagath, take the rock of
1: Uber
2: and go to the planet of Grog, where you will find the magical beastie of Reg. And, you know, uh, it's this. That, I
0: wish that were true. Right, I exactly. Would.
2: What I'm saying is there's a ton of that stuff, right? But I got a big kick out of because I know that the whole like if the whole Marvel universe was that, I couldn't I couldn't get into it. Because I don't have a good time with high fantasy. I just I just don't get involved in it. I can't get excited about it. But because this was a real portmanteau movie with a ton of shit happening across a ton of different things and and the whole like uh, uh, land portal, uh, the, the whole like uh, dimension portals jumping was kind of done in a fun, haphazard kind of. 70s way i really enjoyed i liked awesome. marvel throwing their hat into the ring and trying to do a kind of lord of the rings opening i enjoy like i kind of enjoyed that i didn't even scoff at it and i you know normally i might have done but i i i i, I enjoyed it it's, like i embraced it's easier,
0: it yeah it's easier when the and and they did a much better uh time this time around than the last time right at least oh yeah With completely the Frost giants
2: and then you know, uh, I was already from the first movie invested in all the stuff that's going on, uh, with the, uh, you know, Odin and, and Loki and everything. So I was, I was all about that. I loved all, loved seeing all that. Um, and it, it's, you know, there's nothing, um, that, uh, there's nothing of great staggering importance going on necessarily in the plot you know, there are bits and bobs hanging around the place, and it's all very kind of slapdash and throwaway, but it's got a great sense of humor. It's got a great um, rollercoaster ride-type vibe. I mean, by the end, where you've got Thor fighting uh, Malekith through different, portals and different places three
4: realms
1: that <laughs> yeah, yeah that is fucking realms,
2: awesome uh, four realms actually because they do fall into Trondheim or whatever that fucking one is where the slightly mongolian looking guys are oh yeah um, they do fall in and out of that as do the fucking fighter jets, which was another great thing. So suddenly you've got two fucking gods fighting, <laughs> or alien gods fighting, fucking while flying jets are going in and out of portals, and you know. Then you've got Cat Dennings and Portman and and Skarsgård doing like the comedic relief and. You've got Greenwich being dead. Like, that whole ending, I was just, at that point, you fucking sold me. You just have sold me at that point, and it's great. The Stan Stan Lee cameo is the best Stan Lee cameo there's ever been. Him turning around going, can I get my shoe back, please, was fucking genius. I loved it. And just the whole thing had a real nice, lighthearted, bombastic, Adventure Boys. I tell you, it felt like one of those um, weird fantasy boys' own adventure crossover movies from the 80s, like the Biggles movie they made or, like, Double (laughs) Dragon or, like, one of those... Like, it just had one of those, like, fun 80s we're going to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks type vibe to it. Like, I loved it. Like, I could... It was... A lot of it was superficial, but it was joyously so. I, I mean, like Idris Elba r- running out to attack the spaceship? Mm-hmm. Like, how fucking and cool was that? I don't even need Idris to know what... Idris Elba got to live through a film.
0: Thank God. Right. He got to live
2: through a film. He got to leap and off the ass. Rainbow Bridge and, like, Seriously. take down a whole spaceship. It, it was it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you had the decimation of a city. You had all that cool stuff like quickly, quickly put up the 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 shields and then the ship. Like parts of it were positively Flash Gordon esque. It was as wonderful. Well, it was wonderful yes, as well. They should be right. I agree. It was just missing Brian Blessed. Like I could have done with Anthony Hopkins, maybe summoning his inner Blessed and being like,
0: dive. But no, apart what, from that... What should have happened is this should have been made uh, 20 years ago and Brian Blessed should have been Volstagg. Right, of course. Uh, no disrespect to Ray Stevenson, but, no. you know, if ever there was a marriage <laughs> of material and actor. No, no, material and beard, I think, Indeed. is what you're talking about. there you about. go. Yes, that, that too. Yeah, that too.
2: And although uh, we're but- going to do a massive <laughs> spoiler here, I had one more good point to say about it to yeah. a uh, uh, massive spoiler, though. Uh... Massive spoiler. Massive spoiler.
4: There is a colossal, considerable, enormous, gigantic, hefty and huge spoiler. Coming up. There is an immense, hefty, massive, sizable, substantial, tremendous... Colossal spoiler Coming up It's incredibly large It's bloody big It's possibly the most massive spoiler We've ever done It's such a very, very big spoiler It's capacious It's a monster It is mammoth, jumbo, humongous It's an extensive, spacious, super-colossal, thundering, voluminous and walloping
2: spoiler that you have ever heard. It's a massive spoiler. It's a massive
4: spoiler.
2: Uh, So I assume if you haven't seen Thor, you've turned off by now. But massive spoiler as to what happens to Rene Russo's character. Um, Mm. Yes. I have to say that although I agree with you, we didn't spend anywhere near enough time with Frigga to uh, really embrace her character arc or love her enough for her demise to be as
0: tragic as it should have been. We got, a, we got a kick-ass... Uh, she got her own kick-ass fight scene. Well, she got well, her man. own kick-ass fight scene. She got her own even more kick-ass fucking Viking
2: funeral. Yes. And her Viking funeral, I'm not even kidding. I don't get involved in this stuff that much. But, man, even I was holding back a man tear. I was holding back a fucking man tear. That was beautiful, wasn't that it? That was, That's was fucking stunningly uh, uh, nerve-ending, shivering, hair on the back of your neck, just beautifully done i mean a applaud a worthy that was Indeed. beautifully done there wasn't any huge mawkish sentimentality it was it was a completely in keeping with the theme of the viking burial but you knew that when that flaming arrow headed towards the ship that it was just tearing odin's heart out without hopkins having to do really anything it was just i mean talking about it now i'm tingling like it's it was just fantastic can't, right. can't and what I also like, what, what, what struck me in the middle of the scene, I was getting all emotionally involved in it, and then funnily enough, your voice came in, into my brain. I'm not even kidding. Oh, we, had, we had a bit of a debate or a bit of a chat about the fact that, and they clarified it in this movie, that our Norse god mythology was really this alien planet of people who are, just live longer than us and more powerful than us.
0: Right, they just uh, like and they just like to hang out in Scandinavia for some reason
2: right. thousands of years ago. <laughs> thousands of years ago. However, there was a whole thing that you you and I had spoken about. Like, well, hang on a second. How do we rectify this? Because these are meant to be gods, like actual gods but they're not really, they're aliens and this whole thing and interdimensional planetary beings that George Lucas would call them Um, (laughs) because
0: he can't say aliens and and, uh, their Um, creators in fact have called them at several points (laughs) Right? Um,
2: no, I'm just going off the whole fucking Indiana Jones thing where they're called interplanetary, they're
0: they're interdimensional beings, right, the space between spaces but shit, uh, there are actually plenty of those spaces uh, connecting the nine realms Uh, Loki uses one in both films yeah yeah yeah, of
2: course but no um but what was interesting was of course when um her burial takes place you do get the mystical or angelic lights from her burning body going off to heaven essentially or their heaven
0: right right which Uh, is an
2: acceptance of so hang on a second gods aren't really gods they're really interplanetary dim- dimensional portal jumping powerful aliens but wait a minute they do have a god like
0: <laughs> that was questionable to me they have their own an- they have ancestor worship we know that they certainly built statues of of their elders um yeah, no they one. just they just i took it as uh just corporation like a uh, stranger in a strange land that kind of thing okay um, they just uh, they just kind of fade away in a blaze of glory, right? But
2: and, no, out of the fire, her essence or soul or whatever that was depicted in those like glowing lights swirled mm-hmm. around and shot up to Valhalla,
0: to, I presume, or whatever but, it is meant to be, right? But see, the hell of it is um, Valhalla is supposed to be below Asgard, so. <laughs> I'm like, did they clarify did loki states flat out right? We're not gods right um but of course, then again, that's loki um and and they're being uh they're they're trying to have they're being coy about it they're trying to have their cake and eat it uh the comics do the same thing it's it's something we just generally uh have accepted over the years, because they they can't just come flat out and say it. Uh, because, is there
2: any uh, explanation as to why? Because what they did open up a can of worms here with the whole Rene Russo-Loki storyline is that Loki has uh, Frigga's power, uh, or similar powers, but he's not Frigga's kid, so how does that work?
0: Uh-huh, yeah, that's, that's a very good question.
2: Did Frigga <laughs> maybe pop off to the Dark Realm and have a bit of... How's your father
0: with the ice god, or whatever his name was? Or and did then- she, or was she, uh, or did she bond with uh, the second son when it became obvious to everyone in the house hold, uh, who dad really preferred? Right. I would say the latter because Loki uh, specifically conjures a image of her to talk to. In his cell
4: the uh, the which other, yeah.
0: was incredibly uh sad and pathetic and and actually m- moved my own black chitness little uh nub of a heart there for a second, um, yeah. for the god of lies because yes uh, that and that and um his reaction uh when when Thor comes to him post the funeral and uh, tells him to dispel all the illusions, and he 's just sitting there in his wreck. Of a room that that's yeah that that he trashed because like a dick nobody let him out to attend the funeral but you know I understand why they didn't but still <laughs> right that's kind of a yeah that's kind of a shit move. Um but no, good character uh for yeah and and her death of course provides uh good character moments for the both of them as it should um yeah and 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 you know the the hell of it is, of course, um the, in comics, nobody really dies, so you know <laughs> we could see we may see her again right exactly hope springs eternal yeah uh, no um, I, I
2: i i unabashedly. Loved it. I was saying before we recorded that one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode uh, was that, fuck it, I just came out of that movie wanting to geek all over this film. Not because it was, like, incredibly well-structured or plotted, but because it was just...
0: No, they may have... Yeah.
2: Fun. It was just fun, man. It was like those movies... It was... You know, I'm always saying this about '80s movies. The other day, we were watching like "Never Too Young to Die," like that horrendous, like ridiculous, over the top oh, yes. Stamos movie yes. from the '80s <laughs> with with Gene Simmons as Gene a bad Simmons. guy. But the point that, the, like, the movie, the great thing about that movie is it's everything and it's nothing. Like, it's just a bunch of fun for fun's sake. Why is the villain a hermaphrodite? We don't need to know. He's a hermaphrodite. It's hysterical. Why is he? You know, why is Stamos a gymnast turned? agent we don't need to know he's a it's gymnast or it's just cool. 80s. it's 80s thing and there are so many awesome movies like that that are just fucking adorably cool and funky and fun that you rarely get that in modern times and it wasn't till thinking about this movie and all its different things because there's fucking high comedy in this movie there's high fantasy in this movie there's, like, soppy romance in this movie. There's tragedy in this movie. There's evil, Whovian-looking villains and Star trekian looking villains. And there's the dark worlds, there's the realms, and there's the... Thing. There's so much going on, and it's all done in just a joyous and-now-we're-off-to-this-next-thing type way with with just a kind of breeze about it and an enjoyability yes. about it that was just so refreshingly groovy and conjured up those
0: weird wonderful movies from the 80s that's my it's it's easy and and free it's it's light as a feather this is uh which tells me that uh along with the three screenwriter credits that it was written uh to hell and then uh there's probably like a half an hour of this thing lying on the cutting room floor somewhere (laughs) it's probably all the uh character scenes with Malachath that I'm that I'm missing and and uh, you know like more good scenes between Jane and the the rest of Asgard really I'm like shit uh yeah but but yes I agree with everything uh you said Um, and it's directed by a tv director Alan Taylor yes uh worked on uh several episodes of Game of Thrones that I loved um Uh, he's worked on you name a
2: popular show from the last
0: 20 years, years and he's worked on it. Uh, Yeah, right. Deadwood,
2: Rome, Lost, Sopranos, Law and Order, Mad Men, Nurse Jackie, Bored to Death, Boardwalk Empire, Game of Thrones, like...
0: And I was worried, uh, and I shouldn't have been, because he was there. He was uh, the big third choice for the director's chair. But, like a good journeyman, he went in there and he got that shit done. Uh, and I congratulate him. He did it well, and uh, he did it easy to the point where I'm like wanted to spend more time uh, with his movie in his universe. And, and it was nice. That's a, that is a good feeling to have. And Uh, do you know what one of his
2: first major TV series that he worked on was? The A T. No. No. I'm sorry. I can't claim that. Um, (laughs) It was um, Homicide, Life on the Street, one of my Ah, very favorite TV shows of all time.
0: Hell yes. Exactly. That's, yes. That makes perfect sense.
2: Yep. If you can Ah. make Homicide, you can really make anything. That's (laughs) that's fact. (laughs) I that didn't even mind the fucking the the jokey shit about him being on the... I mean, I minded that it's more like somewhere... I think I just calculated it's more like... If you were to just go to North Greenwich, it would be 10 stops. If you actually wanted to go to, like, the Maritime Place in <laughs> Greenwich, it's three changes and something like 16 stops. But I did, what I was going to say is I didn't mind the jokey... Thor getting on the underground gag. I liked it. I thought if you're gonna go there, fine. Let's do it. Let's like let's go there and let's do it. I thought it was really good. <laughs> I, I honestly did, and I liked that it was filmed in London for London. Mm. It wasn't filmed in some other It wasn't filmed in Los Angeles. Um, right, for standing London. in for London. No, it was actually filmed in. Studios in England as well. They didn't even. I don't, I don't know how much of it was filmed in America. I'd imagine some of the green screen stuff, but most of it was done in studio in England. Which, yeah, and with some little location shots in Iceland too. Yeah, which I've got to yeah, applaud. So. I thought was fantastic. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, like the realm stuff is not going to be filmed in England. We don't have any landscapes like that particularly, but. Um,
0: <laughs> but, yeah, but it's nice to. Yeah, it, it was nice to uh, see. Uh, uh, that was nice to see as a back... It was a great backdrop. I'm just wondering, you know, like, how come no portals uh, ever open, like, over Scandinavia? Like, like is there not some city in any, you know, all three of those countries, you know, that we could, like, trash at some point, maybe? I don't know. Well, Europe I, I,
2: doesn't exist. I mean, the last time Europe existed right? was when they filmed uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in Prague. That was the last oh, time... Europe existed. When name an American movie or a British movie or any movie you can think of over the last ten years that has had anything
0: to do with Europe whatsoever. That hasn't been a European movie. Mm, you mean aside from the Hostel series uh, or uh, God, like. You see, I could do that, but they're all shit. So yeah, it's people, all
2: Eastern Europe where they've made movies out
0: there. You know, of, just because yeah. it's cheap labor, right? Exactly. It's like yeah, it's it, uh, it's like that. Uh, it's like the sequel to the Fright Night remake that just came out. That's the same movie all over again. And yeah, in in Prague, but but and that's the hook, you know. It's the same movie all over again, but this time in Eastern Europe. (laughs) This time with
2: people we're only paying one dollar for a week's work.
0: Exactly. Yes, and and in Eastern Europe though, because so it's exotic and kind of creepy. But no, we got to go to London and and we got to trash London like again. uh, This is like this in the GI Joe movie, and and God, there was something fucking oh the fucking. Fast and the Furious movie, that one too. What the shit? I know everything's premiering in in Lancaster Square like a week before it gets. Uh, Leicester Square, choice.
2: dude. Different different northern city. It's Leicester oh, Square. It's not. Sorry,
0: Lancaster Square. Yeah. sorry. It's, uh, yeah, sorry. I've been See, drinking. It's, pe- it's um, people
2: like you that think it's two fucking stops from Charing Cross. No, I'm right. kidding, I'm kidding, no. I'm kidding, it's I'm kidding. it's
0: people like me who won't even who won't even notice that that'll just fly right by us. They're yeah. like we're like okay, fine. Another bit of odious comic relief in the middle of our yeah. climax, you know I, I, dude, I, don't-
2: I think that was brave, it's difficult to edit and direct a piece that has so many disparate things going on and it still maintain its pace I thought it
0: was fantastic that's true. And, and yeah, and, and I didn't mind all of it. Um, yeah. Uh, when, when Kat Dennings calls, uh, or meow, meow meow, that was, that was pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, I, love I still that. laugh whenever that happens. Um, but, and, and, uh, Stanley always used to say that you can, whenever people would ask him how to pronounce any of the shit, he'd just be like, Oh, whatever. You know? So, yeah. so apparently- I would have to
2: argue though, how is it that Kat Dennings manages to be utterly fantastic and adorable in Thor movies and Defendor, but, Utterly, utterly horrible in that sitcom she's in.
0: <laughs> I would say because uh, it's a sitcom, because because I'm a dick like that.
2: Yeah, um, okay,
0: but but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> it could be could be just shitty directors. Yeah, you know. It's, but I. Oh, I, I
2: I wrote a tweet that said, I love Thor Dark world, but Greenwich is at a bare minimum ten underground stops and at least one change from Charing Cross Brits watch movies too
5: <laughs>
0: indeed, shit Brits get them get them a week before we do now, so I don't know, yeah, nobody caught that one, but then again they're like they then again they like post converted this thing into 3d and then showed that to the critics and and I'm like what what idiot made that decision. That's like, that's like really dumb. You you want... No, uh, that's just... Uh. I saw uh, it in 2D, so I've given up on going to 3D. Thank you. Yes, please do that. Um, yeah, uh, I thought I... Yeah, but, but yes. Universe-hopping um, action-adventure thrill ride. Uh, fun for the entire family and lots of other critical cliches. Um, yeah, basic... Some basic storytelling problems that were probably... Uh, created by mucking about. Uh, but it was nice. It was really nice to see all of that. Finally, I thought I... Yeah, I thought... And we got four worlds in the climactic battle. Um, so that's... I think that's the total for the film. And that's five to go.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I would um, like to call it Flash Gordon meets Biggles meets Lord of the Rings. That's what I'm calling it.
0: And I'm waiting until we get to hell. the The land of the dead. Because that will uh, force them to answer some fucking questions one way or another. (laughs) And
2: and maybe do a Marvel Zombies film. I don't know.
0: Oh, God. You better hope not. Oh, God, no. Oh, please, please. (laughs) God, no. Dude, I'm
2: surprised with all the fucking zombie movies that are still inexplicably being pumped out that there hasn't been talk of it. But um, I don't know. Did you happen to see the fan-made film of Army of Darkness versus Marvel Zombies that was made recently? I did not. Is such a thing exists? Such a thing exists and was not only that, surprisingly well done. I mean, I couldn't have seen a whole movie made like that way, but for a bunch of people in a parking garage with, you know, a digital camera and some very, very, very authentic looking costumes,
0: it was, it was exceptionally well done. Well, I've actually been seeing a lot of those around. It's like once a year we get a... Uh, like a two-minute pitch for a Wonder Woman movie that's made under similar conditions. And it's, yeah, it's almost a clockwork now. It's it's kind of nice, actually. Well, um,
2: you can go, it was made with by people with the unlikely name of, uh, I think it's W-T-F-L-O-L, uh, which <laughs> I don't necessarily approve of, but...
0: Right. Uh, I'm suspicious of them already. Already. They sound like twee hipster fucks.
2: You can go to uh, aftermoviediner.com, and uh, there is a link to it on that site. It's the last on. It's the last link on the homepage. Awesome. So you can scroll down to that, and there is an unofficial fan film of Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness. And while the guy playing Ash uh, doesn't quite have uh, old Bruce's, and I have to start referring to him as old Bruce or pre-remake <laughs> Bruce or sold Bruce, back when Bruce had his soul, um, doesn't quite have his swagger or cheesy ability, but he gives it a, a damn fine square-jawed shot.
0: <laughs> yeah. And what more can we ask for? Right. Um, but
2: I have to say, the, 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 the people doing uh, the, the Marvel Zombies, very, very well done, I thought. Good makeup, good gore effects, good costuming.
0: Nice. Well, good. It will be the first decent thing with the Marvel Zombies name attached to it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, but, uh,
2: yeah, no, I loved I loved Thor 2, I loved Iron Man 3, and uh, I obviously didn't like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That is my round-up for this show. What about yourself, sir?
0: Oh, gosh. I'd say Iron Man 3 and Thor 2 were, yeah, they're all right. Slightly above average in both cases. Need a little work uh, around the edges there. Sand some shit off. So for Thor 3, and I know there will be one, I would recommend, uh, yeah, we go to Hell and, and visit her realm. And as long as we're poaching talent from Game of Thrones, I would say start measuring Lena Headey for a big green cape. Okay. And, uh, like an evil One Piece uh, bikini type thing So what uh,
2: what other stuff What other news that can we Finally put the lid on Marvel 2013 well we've got James Spader As
0: Ultron in Avengers 2 What's your feeling on that sir Oh that's too far off I won't know till I see it Before that though we're going to have to deal With the Netflix Influx Uh, Netflix original series are apparently all the thing. I don't know personally, but now I'm going to have to find out because they have announced not one, not two, but three uh, series featuring uh, various superheroes. Uh, Street-level superheroes, in this case, that will, uh, per usual, eventually combine to form their own superhero team. Uh, so, yeah, you Netflix subscribers can uh, watch out for that coming up soon. Oh, gosh. It's, um, let me see here. It's one of them will, uh, of course, be a remake of Daredevil, finally.
2: Oh, yeah, I've heard about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't realize I it was Netflix, but I knew
0: there was a TV show coming. That's, that's where it's coming. I uh, don't know why they decided to skip off the traditional networks for all of this. It's not like anyone's turning down superhero TV shows these days. I mean, fucking Green Arrow has his own show. It's a good show, apparently. Uh, do you know that for a fact? I've not seen it, but
2: I've been hearing a lot of positive reviews, unlike
0: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right? And see, it's... And see, it's even I don't had a spin-off the... now.
2: Hasn't Arrow got a spin-off now to another it, show as well?
0: It's, it's, I've, heard them been, I've heard them talk about spin-offs and guest stars uh, for, like, since the first season. Uh, I've heard Huntress is going to show up. I've heard the entire Birds of Prey, in fact. The people to
2: listen to is the Trilogy podcast with our good friend Andrew Buckley on it. He
0: covers all these kind of shows. Okie dokie. And, yeah, I'm going to have to at least start tangentially paying attention to them. um, Because Daredevil people at least know about. Uh, People like Luke Cage and uh, Jessica Jones and Iron Fist are complete c-listers even among comic book fans and so yeah there it's going to be interesting to see what the hell they managed to do with uh hero for hire or you know any of these people jesus christ i mean it's it's cr- the entire idea to me sounds completely crazy i mean you know it's do the harry nice. commandos tv show that's what i want Eh, that would be nice, too. Uh, they should have... That should be what Captain America 2 uh, is. But no, they're doing Winter Soldier. They're plowing ahead. If this were, like, uh, 2003 or so, when um, uh, everyone was ripping off um, Saving Private Ryan, then maybe we would have gotten that. But no, everyone's ripping off Batman now, so we've got lots of urban vigilantism to look forward to.
4: Eh.
0: Right. (laughs) Uh, I'm curious, but, yeah, not optimistic, obviously.
2: It fits the – this is where I would be in agreement with your statements earlier. It fits the network television mold of main guy, couple of people he either goes to, leans on, or teams up with. Uh, going up against, like, everyday stuff that's going on that people can relate to in Iowa or wherever the fuck people relate to shit.
0: Um, yeah, right, because everyone so, relates to uh, special victims unit, am I right? Right. Um, and that fucking, what
2: was that, pro- like, I, I was watching something the other day, and a promo came on for Blue Buds, and I was like, Tom Selleck still has a TV show? That's <laughs> still a thing that's going on? And then I, then, you know, you, you find out that shows like Jag ran for 11 seasons or something ridiculous like who yeah, watched well, yeah, that yeah. Mo- you know show
0: uh, all your moms right. uh, my moms. Are, uh,
2: <laughs> i have uh, i have at least
0: 28 moms that watched it personally. right she's keeping ncis uh i know my mom's keeping ncis on the air for whatever reason <laughs>
2: <laughs> they
0: don't uh, relate to us kids man Oh, right. Yeah. With our, yes. With our, um, with our, our rims and our, our fringes. And, with our uh, 60
2: year old fucking characters, like, right? Superman.
0: Yeah. 60 year old comic book characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Or 40-year-old in, in most of these cases. Um, Daredevil, obviously, is from the first wave of, of superheroes. But, but people like Iron Fist uh, or, or Jessica Jones or, or Luke Cage, man. Fucking Luke Cage. We've been waiting for... Some of us have been waiting for a Luke Cage movie for, like, ever... Uh, you want to talk about your retro throwback '80s action hero stuff? You do, Hero for Hire. My God, um, he was created himself as a um, Marvel Comics answer to the then uh, common black exploitation craze of the '70s. You know, he, right down to the whole man jailed for crime he did not commit. You know, gets out and becomes something you know else—urban vigilante in this case, right. Um, but you know, it's it's this kind of sh- uh, shit. Jessica Jones is a PI. Um, Iron Luke Fist. Isn't Cage going to be a movie at one point? I'm sure. I'm absolutely positive because, like I said, it's perfect. You know, you don't have to. He doesn't even wear a costume half the time. You don't have you know you don't have to deal with any prissy prima donna actors giving you shit. Uh, and even when he does have a costume, it doesn't have a mask, so you don't have to rip the mask off all the time to give him face time. It, it'd be perfect, but, but for um, some reason, probably because his name is not well-known enough um, except to a certain group of people who just, we long for any black characters in our superhero universes. you know who
2: they almost cast? Who?
0: Idris Elba. Well, hell, I would not be opposed to him doubling up.
2: <laughs> no, but he he reve- he revealed... While discussing Thor the Dark World and his upcoming role as the imprisoned leader of South Africa in Mandela, practically a real-life superhero, Elba let slip that at one point they were talking to him about taking over the role of an iconic superhero in a franchise of his own. There was talk of Luke Cage at one point, Elba revealed. I thought Luke Cage was a pretty interesting character. They were going to do it, but I don't know what happened. Neither do we, Idris, neither do we. Says Movie Phone. That's the website I read that off.
0: Well, and and shit, they don't know either. Uh, nobody knows. It just disappeared somewhere into the ether. But hey, now into it's into the back. ether. Into the red glowing. Into the red glowy. Yeah, yeah hole of the. T- See, this is yeah. This is the problem, though. This is the big problem with turning all this shit into just random MacGuffins. You know. If you if you got uh, giant armored megalodons pouring out of a hole in the sky, or or giant mechanical spiders that are also terraforming machines, this kind of shit I can wrap my head around. You know, it, it's it's simple, it's easy, big striking image in the sky. You know, big thing, boom, it come down and bad shit happen. Um But like a red gl- and black glowy mist shit, I it, it, yeah, no, sorry. Uh, it's yeah, I can't really drum up the uh the the care you know uh, it's like uh, I'm sorry, I didn't care yeah eh. um unless you know even even when it infects Natalie because it's not like it gives her superpowers um, but anyway, sorry.
2: it's so that Benicio del toro in in a future movie can uh take the ether out, and out of the ether will flow the long lost script to Luke Cage. Um, and uh, <laughs> Idris will run in grab it and run off again and that'll be their linking device to the <laughs> <next> stage, <maybe. laughs> but it's all good things so um, I just wanted to get your take on some of the rumours from the rumour mill but you're not willing to give a voice to your Ultron opinion yet no?
0: No because uh, I don't know fuck could go either way
2: yeah and, hey. but how are you feeling about phase two now
0: sir uh, in general, doing well so far. I'm um, yeah. I'm curious at this point. Uh, I don't want to say cautiously optimistic. I'd say cautiously pessimistic. Really, because that's the way I approach most things. What,
2: what have we got? We've got Winter Soldier. Guardians.
0: Yeah, we got well, yeah. We got Winter Soldier. Which thank God. Um, that's yeah. Because Guardians
2: and- is another thing at the moment. There's been rumors of them showing up in the Avengers, but I mean I don't know how.
0: Right, They'll they are. go into space. Yes, that would be perfect uh, if they were doing what I thought they were doing uh, at the uh, Avengers 2. But now they're doing this Ultron thing, which, you know, could go either way. Uh, but Age of Ultron was a fairly recent storyline in the comics that, in fact, just concluded over the summer. So I'm curious as to whether or not they're going to actually do something like that or whether they're just going to use the name. Uh, to try and sell more tickets, like they need. What I
2: want to I know, though, is if Ultron, like Ultron, is all like metal and stuff, right? He's, he's like True. another kind of Iron Man clone type thing. He's um, a,
0: no, he's a he's more like a data clone. Actually, um, he's he's a robot. Uh, android. I but say. how
2: is James Spader going to be able to sleaze over all the women when he's a robot? That's what I want to know. Because Spader has one role in a movie, and that is to come across as ultra creepy and ultra sleazy. And, you know, how is he going to be able to do that as a robot?
0: I would counter that uh, with uh, one of my favorite James Spader movies, which uh, would be Stargate in which he uh, actually got to show quite a degree of range and humanity by playing the... Uh, he was still kind of sleazy in Stargate. If you say so. I remember him turning down sex with the uh, nubile village girl that was thrown at him initially. Right. At least until he had, uh, you know, like one and a half conversations with her. Right. But there was still feminine interest there. <laughs> of course. He's James Spader. What do you expect? Sure. Right. You are putting him in a plastic bag, uh, which is probably what they're going to wind up doing. It's probably just going to be his voice. I'd be amazed if his face actually showed up in some capacity or another because, you know, uh, Christopher Eccleston sure as hell didn't. So.
2: Yeah, I didn't even know it was Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> right. It, it, it I mean, could have been either. Armin Shimmerman, for all I know.
0: Do you know who, right? I, you know who he is? Of course I do. Yes. Of course I do. I, I read the uh, opening credits of every DS9 episode. Right. But it could and have yeah. been him. I mean, it, it looked like Armin Shimmerman. Could have been Jeffrey Combs, right, who who played, like, five different characters under different kinds of makeup on that show. Yeah. I mean, shit. <laughs> and he just kept showing up. when you'd hear that voice, and you'd be like, oh, sweet. Combs is back <laughs> yes um, things are going to get sleazy yeah um, not quite as sleazy as Spader who is king but, of sleaze right but this was again this was network TV and network TV in the 90s which good lord woo! Uh, <laughs> we don't know how good we have it but yeah. no true <laughs> but yeah, I'll be I'll be interested as hell to see what they manage to pull out with it. They gotta do Ant Man first, though, because if we don't know who Dr. Pym is then They gotta do Ant Man before Avengers two? They would I would hope he would have some or I would hope Dr. Pym would have some uh role to play in the film, if they're not gonna do that. I mean right. he'd be like uh the Mr. Blue in the Incredible Hulk movie. Right, uh, he he just uh, show up there at the to do something, and probably now probably uh, his stopping whatever Ultron manages to do will be the impetus for him to put on a suit.
2: You know, I do worry though the whole Edgar Wright Joe Cornish thing. <laughs> right, <laughs> I love Edgar Wright making Edgar Wright Simon Pegg Nick Frost movies because every single one of them has been great. Everything else he's done, not good. Not so much. And Joe Cornish, I mean... Right, I know. Like, he's a radio comedian from the UK that's done a lot of, like, radio comedy and wrote uh, Attack the Block. But...
0: But, yes, Ant-Man, would you... Yeah, does that seem a natural fit? No. Mm. Yeah, but, but... shit you know what do i know i mean good christ uh like i said alan taylor was their big third choice for thor 2 and that turned out fine um don Payne, the this story writer on both thor movies uh also put his name to those atrocious fantastic four movies earlier in the decade yeah so or last decade, I should say, but so you know, it, it, yeah, there's too many variables, and and I can't play the guessing game. No, I, in fact, well, we I don't hate even it. know who's cast. It's got right? it's got a release date of 2015. So, so and that's yeah. So everything is subject to change without notice.
2: Yeah, at this point. and he's got test footage already, so he's presumably been working on that this year in between pimping the world's end. Uh, and doing the tour for that. He was at probably
4: Comic-Con
0: this year with test footage. So,
4: you know, and he's been
0: mooted to make... Right. They're probably negotiating. They're probably arguing over the budget at this but point. But he's been mooted
2: uh, to make this movie since Hot Fuzz came out. I mean, this has been on Edgar
0: Wright's plate for years. Um, right. He's Hey, he's apparently a Hank Pym fan, which I didn't know those existed, but they do. And and I welcome them to the fold as my brothers and sisters yeah. may presumably, though I can't imagine, because um, yeah, Hank Pym' uh, attitudes towards the ladies have historically not been very nice. Uh, yeah, that's that's my real problem. I'm afraid they're going to water him down to make him less of an asshole, and and uh, then he will not be the Hank Pym that that I know. Uh, Is something something will be lost, something uh, different. Something to distinguish him from all the other super scientists running around the Marvel Universe. Uh, Because that's been the role he's grown into over these years. That's the only reason I could see them putting him in the Marvel Universe. Because Hank Pym is uh, the designated asshole and uh, life's designated bitch uh, in that order. Probably the one more than likely because of the other. Uh, more often than not, he's, yeah. If you want a character who just digs his own grave over and over again, you call Dr. Pim. <laughs> you'd think you'd call Dr. Banner, but, but even, even he's doing better. Even his life is in better shape <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> Which, yeah. It's going to be funny, uh, what they do with him. It'll either be, uh, the weirdest and wackiest. Of all of these fucking movies, or it'll be the one that you get bored of the fastest, right? So we'll see, because that's generally how Ant Man stories tend to go. Really, there's not a lot of middle ground, um, but
2: we'll see. Shit, I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's good. we're w- <sighs> hmm. You know, we've got James Gunn and Edgar Wright. It's kind of treacherous territory for the whole sub. Sub-movies, like the second-tier movies. Um, but we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. As uh, For the moment, as far as the Avengers group is concerned, um, I'm very much invested. Uh, and uh, there's obviously the new X-Men. I know it's a completely different um, uh, studio, but there's a new X-Men coming out soon, uh, which I'm yeah. looking forward to.
0: Yes, we'll be in Pals 6 at this point, wouldn't it be? Yes. Yeah. How, and, how, uh, we, how we, uh, how we uh, fold our prequel into continuity. <laughs> yes, indeed.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, lots of things happening, lots of things that are exciting. Uh, we've got the new Spider-Man coming out, of course.
0: Um, and that'll be probably the next time we talk, so I would imagine. Awesome. We we doing a we doing a Spider Man retrospective. Do I get to bitch even more about Super Science? Because because I, I will. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a Raimi trilogy
2: episode. I guess.
1: Yes. Um, which will probably hallelujah. be
2: the last fucking
0: Raimi films I ever cover on this show. And and hey, they will be from the they will be from his pre betrayal uh, period. There, uh, all safely, every last one of them, even though. <laughs> Spider Man 3 totally ruined a date for me, so I have a personal grudge against it. Yes. Um, because of that <laughs> yeah, and no other reason none whatsoever no none <laughs> but it's
2: been a pleasure as always david to hash out the marvel universe with you and to talk these films which are again as i say surprisingly novel and interesting things considering uh, what they could have been or um you know uh where they're from so uh exciting and good and thanks ever so much for joining us and uh, we'll talk again soon sir Thank you once again, John. It's awesome. And and it was awesome, as
0: always. Pimp your And You Thought It Was Safe show. Oh, as always, everyone can find me at uh, AYTIWS.com, that would be And You Thought It Was Safe, where I review movies and uh, basically do exactly what I've been doing here, only without a uh, strange British man uh, answering <laughs>
2: I don't even know how I would have a cameo on i I'll um, find some way. So.
0: I'll find some way to write you in. You just give me a... I've been
2: yeah. enjoying you playing all the parts, dude. That's what I've been enjoying. So.
0: Um, yeah, it's acting for one. It's been a, a necessity, a bit of necessity. I did manage to... I have managed to rope at least one other person into this madness, and you might see that coming up once I edit <laughs> the pieces together. Nice. Um, but yes, uh, so far. And and who knows? There might be more. I might even spring for decent special effects software. And then, oh, I could do split screens. Nice. Ooh. Sky
2: is the limit then. Okay, great. Well, we'll look forward to that over at AYTIWS. Everyone check that out. That's a dot .com. Or you can go on Twitter and find David there at AYTIWS. Uh, thank you ever so much, sir. It's been a thrill. Uh, I've been me. You've been you. Uh, Cheerio, one and all.
1: Dark Desert Road, I got the windy face. God never visited this kind of place. It's barren out the back, just got dominion. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. They got rats as big as dogs. Well, nobody's around, but the train is still clogged Come on, come on, two o'clock the Well, Barry sounded felt he has been away Another wedding, another day He can't find the ham, he can't find the chicken Can't identify that song they've been picking I got a handbag full of guns down at the station You want cake, you want water, but you gotta be patient Come on We're here, my baby coming back and she's been on the race You don't get nowhere if you don't let you play nice Three knots for yes and one kick for no My baby puts on one hell of a show She got sniffed up, dressed up, baby's hair got messed up Woke up in an alleyway, it's where I'm calling home today Working on a masterpiece of playing in the dirt Shouting at a shooting star, I get the gutter hurt Movie screening, press line, crowded in the dark you haven't got a clock, come on, come on. Well, I got the map, you be the guide. There's always something hidden when you don't know where to hide. When well, you should be reckless, or someone fell out of a tree. My baby's only got those eyes to me. Cracked the pageants, boiled punch, bread so Someone so through all the rungs, waiting in the ocean, trying to find yourself a watch. There's a bikini belt that could use another nudge. Holding back the question, forming an excuse. Every day is lucky if you don't end up in a news. Come on, oh yeah. Well, my baby's cooking bacon. bacon. Baby's wearing nothing but a tight white vest. She's got the arches, I got the rig. Don't worry about the rankin', you can worry about the tea. Smith up, dressed up, baby's heck, got messed up. I woke up in an alleyway, it's where I'm going home today. Working on a masterpiece, playing in the dirt. Shouting at a shooting stop, I get the gutter hurt. It's a movie, screening Press line, I'm crowding in the dark. Time is turning backwards and you haven't got a car. Come on. And they've got rats as big as dogs. And nobody's around but the train is still caught. Come on. Come on. I got a handbag full of guns down at the station. You want cake? You want water? Well, you gotta be patient. Come on. Come on. I'm holding back the question. Forming an excuse every day is lucky when it don't end up in a new scrum.
5: There are men, and then there are second unit podcast men. The podcast you've just been listening to is part of the second unit podcast network find all of our shows at 2upn.blogspot.com or on facebook under the second unit podcast network our fantastic list of shows include drunk on vhs we came from the basement no budget nightmares the after movie diner dr action and the kick-ass kid and blood baths and boomsticks take one podcast into the shower don't be a blithering idiot, Alan. We can give you the multiple podcast cleansing system all in one place that your hair deserves. Our programming is available across all platforms from iTunes to Podomatic, TalkShoe to Stitcher, so you have absolutely no excuse. Listen today, and a free naked person of your choice will be shipped from Thailand to your door in a matter of weeks. The Second Unit Podcast Network. Bringing you the action and leaving the boring stuff to the other guys. Bloody hell. Who does a girl have to blow around here to get a decent beverage?